to this week's episode of ENN, Exiles Network News. This is episode number 18. Now, before we go, we have to give a little bit of an apology. We were not able to put out episode 18 last week. So what we have planned for you is a double stacked episode. This episode is going to have a bit more content than we usually give. It's going to run a little bit longer, and we hope that you accept our apology and you enjoy the content that we have for you. Now, as usual, I am joined by my colleagues, my partners in crime, my homies, my homies, my homies. I'm joined by Christian and Paul. Hey, Christian, how are you doing? My homie. It's good to be back, man. I missed you. Missed you too. And (laughs) Paul. Lupe, Christian, good to be back. Looking forward to uh, bringing a double dose of positivity tonight. (laughs) What up? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) So strap in and uh, let's go on this ride. Our rundown of topics that we have today, we're going to talk about Matt Reed's Batman movie, which just started uh, principal photography. We're going to talk about the changes that have come to Sony's planned video game to film adaptation drake uncharted we're going to talk about paramount's new plans for the transformers franchise we're going to talk about birds of prey social media reactions the embargo has lifted right after the premiere and there has been word on the twitter streets and we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about bloodshot receiving a pg-13 rating we're going to talk about lethal weapon Numero Quattro, Lethal Weapon 4. Wow, that's quite interesting. Then in our coming soon section, we're going to talk about a couple trailers and a film that's come to theaters. We're going to talk about Irresistible, which uh, just dropped a trailer. We're going to talk about Fast and Furious 9. We're going to talk about Ghost in the Shell animated uh, feature. And we're going to talk about Gons Akimbo. And then coming to theaters, Rhythm Section. Starring Blake Lively is coming to theaters this weekend. So without further ado, let's get right into it. The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves. It's it's picked up steam and it's it's going full full steam ahead. Uh it was, you know, maybe taking a little long in the wind to come about, but it's here and they've started filming. Uh, we have some, some word from Colin Farrell. He talked a little bit about his impressions of, of the film. He says, I'm still in the process of talking to Matt Reeves, who's the director who wrote the script. He wrote a really beautiful, dark, moving script. Also, uh, some crew members, some crew members of note have been attached to it. The VFX supervisor is going to be Dominic Tuhi. Who worked on 1917, which is a huge Oscar contender, Rogue Nation, an amazing, amazing Mission Impossible movie, Edge of Tomorrow, one of the best action movies of the last decade, uh, six-time Oscar-nominated sound mixer Stuart Wilson, who also worked on 1917 and Skyfall, and Oscar-nominated makeup designer Naomi Don, who worked on 1917 as well and Skyfall. So, guys, uh, let's start with Paul. What are your thoughts on Marriage the Batman movie? It's finally going full steam ahead. Yeah, well, you know what? Everything we keep, everything we hear about it sounds good. Um, you know, it, it 
there's always a fear, right, with Warner Brothers. Uh, my biggest concern, I've said it before, is that they're going to try and shoehorn some comedy in this one. And uh, and so far, I don't see any signs of that. It seems like they're taking it seriously. Um, and and that's that's really all I want. Uh, I mean, they put together a great uh, a great cast so far. I don't have any issues with any of the casting. I know we uh, we said before that um, you know when you look at Andy Serkis and Colin Farrell, they've had some great performances, and then they've also had some pretty hammy performances, specifically in uh, comic book movies uh, with. Um, Circus and Black Panther, and then uh, Feral and Daredevil. So um, you know there was still that bit of that bit of doubt, that bit of skepticism. But um, you know, just when you look at the big picture, when you look at everything we've seen, um, the comments that we've heard, especially these ones from Feral most recently, it sounds like we're going to get a dark, serious telling of the story, and that fits with the whole idea of a noir detective story. So I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, the um, you know, I just there's there's really nothing but uh, but but positive so far. Now, on a side note, is it just me or when you guys see that uh, that tweet that Matt Reeves sent out with eleven seventeen? Is the first thing you think of not Justice League when you see eleven seventeen? I mean, yeah. I know there's no connection, but every time I see that, I think oh Justice League, and then I'm like oh no, that's the Matt Reeves uh, Batman filming again. But he's um, no. It, Eleven seventeen is the day that will live in infamy. Yeah, it will. It's it's scorched into my brain, and that's all I see, all I can think of when I see eleven seventeen now. But uh, you know, I I think it looks great, so uh, I'm excited about it. And I think the other um, the other uh, uh, name I thought that was interesting was Greg Fraser as the uh, cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking back when he's done, I thought that was uh, a good sign as well. He's um, he's a director of photography for for Dune, which obviously we haven't seen yet, but. Uh, I trust that uh, Denis Villeneuve has made a strong choice there. He did episodes three and seven of The Mandalorian uh, and episode one, uh, which all had uh, – you know, three and seven were two of my favorite episodes of that. He was a director of photography for, for Rogue One, uh, Zero Dark Thirty, uh, Snow White and the Huntsman, which actually I was just going to go back and rewatch the other night. And um, I was trying to convince my daughter, uh, who's uh, you know about eight and a half going on nine, that uh, she might enjoy it because it looked a little too dark for her before. And I watched the trailer and I thought, you know what, there's some really – beautiful cinematography in that trailer. So I, I'm excited about that. I think this movie's going to look good. Um, you know, and now we got the costume reveal and the Batmobile reveal to look forward to, but uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. Mm, nice. Uh, so, Christian, what are your thoughts? I, not too much to add to what Paul had to say. I'm not, And now I'm not as neck deep in the Snyder Cut fight as you guys are, so that date didn't click with me, so I apologize for that, so I didn't really think anything of it. I'm a huge fan of Batman. Batman along with Wolverine is my, those are my two favorite comic book characters. So I've loved every iteration we've gotten of Batman with the exception of the two Joel Schumacher movies with Batman forever and Batman and Robin. I didn't really appreciate either one of those, although Batman forever had a phenomenal soundtrack. So <laughs> had a great soundtrack. Um, and Val Kilmer probably deserves better. <laughs> you know it. Come on. You know it. You two had a fantastic song on that too. That was just a great sound. Brandy kicked it. It was a great soundtrack. So <laughs> it was like my entire high school, but um, you know, it, it's every iteration we've gotten of Batman on the big screen since Tim Burton's 89 Batman has bought something really cool to the table. And we were surprised by Michael Keaton at this count, comedy actor that came out and did it and and then uh, Ben Affleck I was one of the people that I'll full disclosure I did not think he was going to be able to nail it and he did uh, I really enjoyed what he did with Batman especially in BVS and I don't think we've seen enough of him it's sad that we're moving on to something different 
Colin Farrell, well, I'll put it this way. The right talent is attached to this movie. There is a ton of talent attached to this. And it's a little scary that Warner Brothers goes back to the well. Whenever there's an issue, it's like, like Batman, we got to go back to Batman. So they go back to the well again. And we get another Batman movie. And there's talks of this being the beginning of another trilogy. And who the hell knows what they're doing with the timeline at this point? Because it's a young Batman young noir young detective all that stuff so we have no idea exactly what's going on with the with the uh timeline and what's going to happen with the storyline and are they going to flashpoint the crap out of it Blah, that's a conversation for another day but from what i'm seeing just based on this i continue to be excited about it and i have to shut up about robert pattinson because i've seen his more indie stuff and it's good that's number one and number two every time i thought a batman actor wasn't going to be good they've proven me wrong so He's probably going to do it again and prove me wrong and and show that he's going to be a very good uh, actor in the cape and cowl. So for right now, color me excited. I'm waiting very patiently for this movie. I'm happy with what I've seen so far. I'm very happy by Colin Farrell's comments. Uh, we talked with Lupe off the pod about one of the words he used. I'm not going to steal it from you, from Lupe. I'll let you talk about it. But Lupe, tell me, that word moving that he used is a very important word. The other words he used were great, but the word moving when he's talking about the script is very important. Go ahead. Colin Farrell is signed on to star in the movie, so he's not going to say anything negative about the film. Actors have said great things about films that, you know, when they came out, ended up being terrible. However, we have to look at the adjectives he used to describe the movie. And beautiful, that's very general. Uh, dark, that's expected for a Batman movie, but he said moving, and that's the one that really caught me. Moving, when you say that, that makes me think there's going to be an emotionally stirring uh, element to it. There might be some tragedy uh, involved. There's going to be an element of heart to it. So that is what really like perked my ears up, and I'm quite, you know excited and pleased to hear that about this film as for the crew members that are attached to it uh, i'm i'm so happy to see people who have worked on amazing films oscar nominated uh crew members um and i'm not surprised because that's who matt reese is if you look at at least the the last couple of films he's done they've all been of really 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 high quality and to be sincere i'm not surprised that's that's what wb has always not always but usually does for batman batman usually gets the highest craftsmanship when it comes to filmmaking where i'm concerned with dc and the dceu or whatever it is right now is that they don't do the same for other characters. So uh, will Superman get, you know, that kind of treatment, that kind of serious prestige treatment? Or will it be, you know, um, something like Shazam, uh, something like Birds of Prey, where they got uh, a director who had to be helped by another uh, director, that sort of thing. So um, I have no... I have. No trepidation, no fears, no concerns about the Batman being excellent, to be sincere. Because WB has always served the character very well. These are just very reassuring, and uh, I can't wait to see more of it. Except well, for I don't uh, think... Batman and Robin. 
I would say. It yeah, was I was going to say. I don't think anyone would describe Batman and Robin or Batman Forever as uh, as, as, as moving or really gorgeous. I think I think Farrell also called this one really gorgeous, right? So, uh, uh, yeah, it sounds good. Usually, usually. All well, right. The, the other thing we didn't mention, guys, just before we move on, um, I don't know if you guys have been following uh, Matson Tomlin online, who's been making some comments. Uh, he he co-wrote the. Um, the, uh, I guess it's the, the script or the screenplay for this. And uh, he was tweeting the other day about uh, ma- uh, seeing Mask, or sorry, uh, was it Mask of the Phantasm, the animated movie? In mm. uh, I guess it was replayed in theaters recently, and he was talking about fantastic. how. Uh, sorry? It's fantastic, Mask of the Phantasm. It's so no, I, I've. I've not seen that one, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna get around. I've, I've seen it praised so much, and uh, to be honest, the animation style just turns me off to the point that I never watched it. But maybe I'm gonna force myself to to sit down and watch it. And um, you know, there were t- talks about this being uh, heavily influenced by the Long Halloween. So back in the uh, in the fall, I went out and bought myself the um, the uh, the paperback uh, of of the Long Halloween. I've not opened it yet, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna try and get to that as well. So story wise, my understanding is that those are still the influences, or at least those are the rumored influences. I don't know um, if you guys are familiar with the Long Halloween. Have you read that at all? Yes, dude, I have yes. the Long Halloween. Freaking so incredible! Good. Oh my god, it's, it's so good. incredible! <laughs> it's the it's the second it's the second or third best Batman book in my opinion. I have the Dark Knight Returns. There's one called The Black Mirror, which is not very po- popular, but it was written by Scott Snyder. It's what actually got Scott Snyder, like, his huge gig with uh, with DC and then uh, The Long Halloween. It's – just read it. You'll see. Woo! It's uh, really, really good. I started doing some catching up and uh, on Batman, trying to go back and hit the big storylines. And uh, I read the, the two Court of Owls uh trade paperbacks and then which i enjoyed and then hush which i was really excited for and i was actually kind of let down by hush i didn't think it was as great as all the uh all the hype hush is actually sort of like a sort of i feel it's sort of like a a riff or a remix on on the long halloween somehow is it okay there's there's some elements of it that whole mystery element of someone you know killing people and it's it yeah it's like a diet remixed version of of that classic yeah i was just a little let down by that one i'm, I'm partway through death of the family and i uh, i got like halfway through that one a few months ago and, and just never finished it so i gotta pick that one up finish it up and then uh, and then read the long halloween and then uh, you know i guess we'll look for some clues as the uh as the story uh starts to evolve as we start hearing little leaks and seeing little bits uh come out in the news i can't wait to hear your your thoughts on it okay so let's move on to talk about Sony's video game to movie screen adaptation of the Uncharted video games. Uh, so the big news is that Travis Knight is now out as director and the movie has been um, postponed from December 18 of 2020 to March of 2021. And the new director is going to be Ruben Fleischer, he directed the Zombieland movies, the first and the sequel, and he also directed Venom 2. So, this movie has been long in the making. It's gone through a lot of, you know, like directors, delays, everything. What do you guys think about the status of this movie? Are you still interested in the movie? Do you think it will stick to this release date? Do you think it will stick to this director? Or will the carousel continue to spin? 
let's start with Paul. Yeah, so, I mean, I think we talked about this once before, and, and I mentioned that, you know, I've never played the video game more than just a couple minutes. Um, but the subject matter interests me. This is, um, you know, going back to Indiana Jones, I've always been uh, interested in this type of uh, adventure, archaeological adventure type of uh, type of movie. So I, I'm excited about the subject matter, so I'm going to give it a chance no matter what. Uh, that being said... Um, all the warning signs are there for this one. I, I don't love the Tom Holland, young Drake casting choice. I, I'm, I'm having trouble picturing Mark Wahlberg in the Sully role. Um, I'm worried that they're going for a little bit more goofy, uh, self-aware type of comedy for the younger audience. And um, and then bringing in Ruben Fleischer with his history, uh, Zombieland and Zombieland Double Tap, which now I've seen the first Zombieland, not the second. I actually liked it for what it was, but it's comedy, and and I don't want this to be comedy. I'm so tired of, of self-aware comedy, and uh, and especially in this. I mean, it'd just be nice to have a, a serious take on this, and uh, and I and all the signs are telling me that's not what we're going to get. So, um, one, I'm not super fired up about what I'm hearing about, uh, you know, the type of movie this is likely going to end up being, and and then secondly, I mean, how can you have any confidence in that date? I mean, they just keep pushing it. Um, it's only been pushed by two or three months and it was already going to be an incredibly aggressive timeline to get it out. Uh, it, it went from December, 2020 to March, 2021. Right. And they haven't even, yeah. I'm not even sure if Fleischer's actually officially, I think he's just rumored, right. He's not actually officially tied to the project yet. Right. So, um, unless I'm mistaken, but it, it, the timeline just doesn't seem realistic. So I'd be surprised if this doesn't get pushed uh, again and maybe not just a little bit, but maybe quite a bit, or maybe just not ever come to fruition uh, but you know it's a big property they've got big names attached to it um, and as I say uh, I'll give it a chance I'll wait to see the trailers but uh, I'm I'm not optimistic about anything I'm hearing at this point so there's there I'm one for one I was positive positive on Batman not so positive <laughs> on, uh, on Uncharted <laughs> what do you guys think coming back to normal <laughs> yeah, yeah the law of averages all right <laughs> so Christian what do you think Video game movies have not exactly had the best run. You know, it's it, it's hard to put on the screen the interactive storytelling that you get mm -hmm. from playing a video game and True. the the that feeling that you get of watching a character grow. And mm -hmm. you know, I don't I don't care if it's God of War or if it's if it's Nathan, uh, if, if the Assassin's Creed series is one that is just so deep. Um, and yeah, I, I like I, Assassin's Creed. I never played the video game. I liked that movie. I watched it. I thought this was pretty good. Am yeah, I the see, only I, one? Did you did you guys no. not like it? Yeah, like I, it. I, you know what? I didn't really like I really liked it, and then I watched it a second time, and I, I I didn't like it. I'm going to probably have to watch it a third time to come to a final consensus. But it's weird. It was like my second favorite film of the year. Everybody hated. It. I was like, oh no, this is like it's amazing, blah blah blah. And then when it came out on Blu-ray, I watched it, and I couldn't get through it. It <laughs> it had its moments. It's yeah, not, oh, absolutely beautiful. It's not too. Oh, beautiful movie. It's not trash. You know, and Michael Fassbender is Michael Fassbender. So, you know, you always anything with him. But and it's got and, and uh, uh, what's your name? Cotillard. I forgot her first name, but she it, it's a it's got a good cast and there's parts of the movie that work. But when you play something as expansive and as involved as the Assassin's Creed series and then you watch that. It's missing something, and it, it and certain video games movie video game movies work like Final Fantasy Spirits Within. That movie works. The first Silent Hill works. 
it, this movie has been in development hell for like 10 years. It's it, This is tough. And, yeah. and I think part of the reason it's been development hell is because they don't really seem too certain about what characters are going to be involved, how old Drake's going to be, so what part of his mm-hmm. life they're going to chronicle, and what part do they even want to fictionalize, and then how do they make people care about this? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm with Paul on this. I, I'm not – I can't say I'm excited, pumped, whatever for this. I do like the game series. Uh, now that it's been HD remastered, I'm really getting into it, and I really, really like the game series. Mm-hmm. But – it is. I agree with you. It's very, very good. It's not quite up there with Last of Us and a few others, but it's good. It is very good. I just am – I have a lot of concerns that they're going to be able to match the excitement of that Indiana Jones kind of style of gameplay that you're getting there with this movie, especially when when movies are in development hell for this long and they're they're going back and forth from one director to one production team to another. They tend to not be good when they finally come out. Now, every now and then one comes out that's great. But they tend to not be good when they come out. So I am concerned about this. I can't say I'm really excited about it. Remains to be seen. I think we got to wait a little while and see till the jury's out on this one and see if it actually finally moves forward. But there's a fear that this gets bumped again. I don't know about you, Lupe, but I I think this gets bumped again. Well, are you guys concerned? I'm just going to jump in, Lupe. Are you guys concerned that that they're going for the Jumanji vibe, given the success of the two Jumanji (laughs) movies, that that's the vibe they're going for with this one? I think think that's possible. I I think the thing about it is that, Paul, that's the tone of the games. The games are actually, I wouldn't say like, they're not goofy comedy, but Nathan Drake himself is is a very roguish, hilarious kind of guy. He cracks, he's, you know, that kind of character, like Indiana Jones a bit, but probably even more, who cracks jokes when, you know, it's when things are tense and there's serious stuff there's explosions going on and he's you know cracking jokes and he's super cocky and confident that's just the 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 style of the character himself if you got something serious it wouldn't be nathan drake but on the bright side guys this film is going to be delayed so much that tom holland is going to end up looking old enough to play (laughs) nathan drake by the time the movie comes out he'll look like chris pratt by the time this comes out he'll uh, he'll he'll buff up you know (laughs) But um, just just on a on a on a more serious note, it's really sad that they can't get this together. I know there are a lot of challenges because one of the things about the video game is um, the interactivity of the action scenes. That's it gets you so caught up in. Oh my goodness! I'm slipping! I'm slipping! I'm sliding down this cliff! I'm almost about to fall. Then you have to hit a button and then you jump. And you hook on something, then there's an explosion and you have to go to the side. You're not going to be able to get that immersion. Yeah. yeah you just can't do it because it's a completely different medium. The director is is basically the one controlling the character. But in the video games, you control the character. So I do, I do realize there are challenges. And also, the games are so cinematic that I don't even think there's any room left to do something new you just have to tell a different story and make it as Mm -hmm. cinematic as the games so there are challenges however did you guys see the the short that was done by nathan fillion no no i didn't you have to it's on youtube i don't believe you haven't seen it it's okay i'll check it out amazing it's done by nathan fillion um and he plays drake but the only problem is that he's a bit too old now (laughs) <laughs> to play, it was, 
was he was perfect in it. Um, so it can be done. They just have to get the right the right actors, and they need to get their their shit together. Let's just let's just call it what it is. Yeah, you okay. know, I, I, I think one thing I'll say too. You know, you were mentioning the action, then I'll shut up after this. You know, uh, with Uncharted, you have a lot of those quick time events. You know, hit A, hit mm-hmm. X, hit triangle, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that feeds into the really amazing action sequences yeah. that are in a game like mm-hmm. Uncharted. It's so hard to put that onto the big screen. And people, yeah. you want a chunk of the people who enjoy the video game to go see the movie. You obviously want to sell mm-hmm. it to a larger audience, but you want that audience to love it too. And it's hard for them to get on board when that excitement that you had was you controlling the character in the quick time yeah. event. It's just, it's just tough. It's a tough thing to, yeah. to emulate. Yeah. Good good luck to them for real. Good luck. Yeah. 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 So now it from a one, you know, franchise button probably hopefully will be big to another franchise that has been I mean there was a point where this franchise was the biggest in the entire world, Transformers. Um so under Michael Bay stewardship, I mean, these films experienced, you know, massive success worldwide success intergalactic success as a matter of fact um and critics soured against the films um they you know kept on getting bigger and bigger till they got bloated and so paramount decided to sort of scale things back michael bay moved on gracefully he was not kicked out was not ushered out none of you know the terrible things that warner brothers did to Zack snyder he moved he went on his own to you know make other projects and so they're doing a bit of a revamp. So they, they did Bumblebee, which was a success according to their goals. Um, it didn't make a billion dollars, but it got very good reviews and it made a profit. And so now Variety is reporting that there are two uh, scripts in development simultaneously, two separate Transformers movies in development. One has been written by James Vanderbilt, who's known for uh, Penn and Ready or not, some of the some stuff in the Amazing Spider-Man uh, franchise. He also penned Murder Mystery, the star Adam Sandler on Netflix, and then there's another one by Joby Harold. He's a new up-and-comer. He's done John Wick. He also did Robin Hood. I think he did uh, a bit of uh, King Arthur, Legend of Sword. I love that movie to death. Um, and he's doing Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. And if Zack Snyder picks you, you are good. Point blank period. Uh, look at the people Zack Snyder's worked with. Um, so, guys, are you excited for new Transformers stuff? Let's start with uh, Christian in this one. Yeah, you know, I am, actually. I, I know Bumblebee was a little divisive with people, but I liked it. I thought, and I watched it with my whole family, and we saw it again like two or three times. It, it had a lot of heart. It was different. It re- it had enough nostalgia from the 1980s cartoon and the comic books, plus the toys, uh, for you to, if you were a little older, to uh, really feel like some of the heart that was behind it. I really liked the relationship between him and the girl and the rest of the family. And the look of the movie went away from that mechanical, more generic look back to the robots had a little bit more personality to them and I liked that as well so I know it was different I will say this I never hated Michael Bay's movies now the the first Transformers especially you can make the argument that nobody gives a crap about the humans and it's just you know robots blowing the hell out of one another and that was probably the coolest part of that movie however at the same time I did care about Sam and I did care about his relationship with Megan Fox's character and, and it 
the next couple I didn't care as much about the human characters as I did about the robots, but it was still fun. But it definitely got really – by the time you got to Age of Extinction and last night, the movies just got ridiculously bloated. It was just noise after noise after noise, explosion after explosion. Things are just blowing up. No clue why Optimus Prime is pissed off. No clue why the Decepticons are even fighting with the Autobots anymore. It was just get from one set piece to the next, one stunt to the next, one CGI moment to the next, and that was it. And I felt that Bumblebee bought it into a different direction. So for me, I like this. Now – we talked about this a little off the pod. We don't know if this is just going to be two competing scripts and then one is going to be chosen and that's going to be the movie or they there's a lot to talk about in in Transformersville in in uh, in the stories there. So if they wanted to, maybe they can make it two separate movies. But I would like to see this Bumblebee-ish universe continue because I really thought it bought the story a little smaller, bought a lot more heart into it. And it reminded me a little bit more of that first Transformers movie where you got the really good relationship between the humans and the robots. And I do want to see robots exploding, but I really liked the relationship between them. And that's what I thought kind of carried it. And that's what I thought carried Bumblebee. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this with a smile on my face to see where we go because I don't know where it's going to go, but I am looking forward to it. All right. Well, Paul, what about you? All right. So um, I, I kind of like Bumblebee. Well, I kind of like Bumblebee, you know, again, um, like Christian, I watched it with my, uh, with my wife and daughter and, and they both tolerated it. My daughter liked it. She didn't love it, but I mean, it was something we could watch, uh, as a family. I thought that, um, the transformers were actually done really well in Bumblebee. Like the look of them was sim- simplified, but it was more reminiscent of the toys. Uh, and you could see what was going on. Cause I think sometimes in the Michael Bay movies, while the, while the special effects were spectacular and usually the 3d was pretty good, uh, it was pretty hard to tell what was going on sometimes. And, and the transformations didn't necessarily, uh, make sense in Bumblebee. I thought they Mayhem. did a good, Mayhem, yeah, maybe. yeah. <laughs> but, but you know what? I, I was really impressed in Bumblebee at how the transformations work. Like you actually, it felt like you could see how they transformed just like the toys did. Right. So I like that. And, and the scene on Cybertron, I really liked. Um, now, to me, there's sort of a, a middle point between what Bay was doing and what Bumblebee was doing that I think was is sort of my sweet spot. Like I, I liked the first Transformers. I think it was the third one I liked. And I didn't hate the one with the dinosaurs, um, although that could have been partly because my expectations were pretty low by that point, and I was sort of pleasantly surprised. Uh, the most recent one uh, – with Anthony Hopkins, I I think I lasted 15 minutes and had to turn it off. I don't even think I got to the Bayhem in that one. <laughs> it's a tough um, one to get through. It really is. It, it was it was pretty bad. So uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Bay, I am a Michael B. apologist, but he really jumped the shark in that one. Okay, yeah, that was tough to get through. And I was surprised because you know when, when I saw Anthony Hopkins attached to it, I thought, hey, maybe maybe they're going to figure this one out. And uh, no, not not so. Um, but you know what? So all that said, um, I am optimistic. Uh, well, somewhat optimistic, cautiously optimistic. But but I'm call me a sucker, but I'm I'm excited for more Transformers. Whatever we get. Um, now that being said, I, I didn't watch the Beast Wars cartoons, and I think the one of the competing scripts or co- competing ideas in development is uh, rumored to be a Beast Wars type of thing. Um, and then the other one uh, is the is the one that continues in the Bumblebee world. Now, I, I thought Bumblebee was, even though it's its own thing, I thought it was sort of a prequel. Um, it sort of fit as a prequel prior to the first Transformers movie, and I'm not sure if that was the intention or not. But I, I don't know that that one necessarily felt like they were 
like it felt like a standalone to me. I don't know that I necessarily want to see more of of that take. Um, but whatever, you know, I'll trust that they'll come up with, uh, you know, come up with a good idea. I like the, um, you know, the fact that the one writer is associated with Army of the Dead and, uh, uh, sorry, his name is skipping my mind, Joby Harold. Um, yeah, I, I like because I like you, Lupe. I enjoyed King Arthur. Um, you know, I, I'd missed that one in theaters. I had low expectations, and when I finally sat down to watch it, I was really, uh, really impressed by it. Uh, I really liked that a lot. So. Combine that with the fact that, um, you know, Zach is showing some faith in him with Army of the Dead. Obviously, that that gives him some credibility. Um, and then other than that, I see that he was uh, both writer and director for something called Awake back in 2007. And uh, and I think I saw that one. You know, I, I could be wrong, um, but I think I think I did see it. So, um, you know, I, that, that gives me some hope. Uh, we'll see what comes of it. But uh, it's Transformers. I'll give it a chance. Uh, and, you know, I, unlike Christian, I think I'm not as worried about the interaction between the robots and the humans. I don't care so much about the humans. Uh, to be honest, you could put the whole thing on Cybertron and uh, and that would make me happy. I mean, I love that Transformers animated movie as a kid. Recently went back and tried to rewatch it. Not as good as I remembered. But if you can, if you could keep the goofiness and the cheesiness out of the robots, like Michael Bay did some, some pretty cringy stuff with his robots uh, at points, and uh, if you can keep the sort of the stereotypes out of the the robot personalities, and just do a serious all robot Cybertron battle, I'd be fine with that too. So, you know, let's see what they come up with. Hope it's not too goofy and too comedic. Um, I don't need a whole lot of uh, feelings and emotions, but also let's not make it stupid and crazy. Let's let's keep <laughs> it, uh, you know, keep it keep it as serious as you could keep a Transformers movie. And uh, and make it make sense and, uh, and do some good VFX and then I'll be happy. So we'll uh, we'll see what comes of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, um, the the Bumblebee movie never felt like a reboot. It did feel like a revamp, like a stylistic reboot. Um, I re- really do. I concur with you. I hope that they can find a happy medium between the bombastic sort of like big crazy action stuff that Michael Bay does and the more story driven um, emotional stuff that Travis Knight did with Bumblebee because I thought that we needed a lot more of you know like the stuff on Cybertron like the the Transformers you know battles more of that would have been you know very welcome so um i always like to see you know franchises and new franchises you know add to the content that we have accessible to us everything just shouldn't be just you know star wars and marvel and dc and that's it let's as much as can be done out there let's get all that variety so i'm all for it and I'll be paying close attention. Obviously, Joby Harold has me very excited. I hope he writes an amazing script, and I hope his script right uh, wins if they're competing. And if not, it will be nice for them to, you know, write some complimentary stuff. Uh, so I, I think that this is very good news. It's a franchise that definitely should not die; shouldn't be, you know, left alone to like to languish. So uh, I'm excited to see what's coming down the pipeline for Transformers. And now let's go into one of our staple uh, franchises, one of the big three. And from DC comes Birds of Prey. 
the movie uh, is coming to theaters very soon, seventh of February, and the social media embargo has been lifted, uh, preceding its premiere. So here are some of the reactions that we've been hearing online. Uh, Millicent on film says Kathy Ann's Birds of Prey is a criminally fun celebration of sisterhood with some of my favorite fight scenes in recent memory. I was grinning from ear to ear the entire thing. Meg Downey says, so Birds of Prey was an absolute blast. Harley feels exactly like the human Looney Tune she ought to be. Black Mask is a scene stealer. Dinah, Helena, Cass, and Renee all rule. This is everything I want from DC movies. And then some. Rogue Cheddar says, Just so Birds of Prey. And I'm happy to report that it's my favorite modern DC movie yet. Like Shazam, it carves its own path with totally unique aesthetic, action, and tone. Margot, Ewan, and all, and all the rest are 1,000%, 100% fantabulous. Why aren't there more roller skate action scenes? Eric Davis Old Fandango says Birds of Prey has terrific action, humor, and some of the more memorable characters we've seen in the DC movie. But the biggest highlight is Margot Robbie. She is fantabulous as Harley, while also proving that sometimes our most valued relationships are the ones we have with good food. So, guys, um, most of the stuff we're hearing is is largely positive. What do you guys think of the social media reactions to Birds of Prey? Let's start on a positive note to keep us, you know, uh, in a good mood. And let's start with Paul. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm, I'm, two, I'm two out of three on positivity tonight going into uh, Birds of the Prey. So uh, law of averages. Um, you know, this, this is, these reactions are exactly what I would have expected. And it sounds like exactly what we've seen in the trailers. Uh, so if that's what appeals to you, if you think the trailers look good, uh, it sounds like these reactions are backing that up. For me... Um, Crazy, quirky, uh, delightfully, devilishly fun, humorous. Uh, uh, Harley steals the show. It, 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 that none of that appeals to me. Um, it's just not for me, right? I'm not the demographic for this film. So I think, I think the people that this film is aimed at will probably like this film based on what you're seeing. Um, so. For me, um, I said before, it feels like they're trying too hard to be quirky. Um, I'm seeing a lot of f bombs, and, and you know what? And that just when I hear like there's tons of f bombs, I, I feel like it's going to be forced in there, just like Titans, uh, you know, felt a little forced. And I got and now, in fairness to Titans, I got through an episode and a half and bailed out on that, but I just felt that that was trying too hard. Um, this one screams trying too hard. A lot of the stuff that it gets compared to. Um, now, I finally just saw John Wick two the other night. I like John Wick two. Um, but the action I saw, and I recently saw a clip of this one, and it looked like they were trying to do some of the same stuff, but it felt even more choreographed than the John Wick stuff did. And um, and I, I don't that takes me out of it. When when I feel like they're stepping in to the um, into the blows or waiting to almost like dancing, like where you can just feel the choreography coming through, it takes me out of the movie. I saw a little bit of that in the most recent clip I saw. Um, you know, I didn't. I don't like Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Now, maybe that's the character. Um, I, I liked her in Suicide Squad, in the scenes where she was in prison, where she's in Arkham Asylum, where she's dealing with the Joker. I liked the dysfunction of their relationship. That's for me how the character works. Once she becomes emancipated and is is become free, quirky, wild Carl Harley, um, and goes on the girl power trip, uh, hey, 
that that's great for that audience that that doesn't really appeal to me um so you know it, as i say uh i think i think the people that look at the trailer and think it looks great are going to probably love this movie it sounds like all the reactions are reinforcing that uh, me personally, probably not the kind of thing I'm going to be interested in, but I'll I'll watch it when it comes out on streaming. Um, and you know who knows? Hopefully, I'll like it. All what right. do you guys think, Christian? Well, uh, let's yeah, let's hear from Christian. I, I I said you know before I think it was a couple pods back that you guys know what a comic book movie junkie I am, and I'll I'll watch anything that's a comic book movie basically, and then I usually try to go in with a, a good frame of mind, and I don't hate watch a movie, uh, I I don't do that, I don't care what it is, I will not go into a movie and hate watch it, and I've come away from comic book movies after being hyped from a trailer and been like, okay, that wasn't that good, and all right, it, it missed the mark, and other times I've been blown away, and this is. I, rem- I it's the same. I feel the same after the last few weeks. This is one of the first times I'm not feeling anything, and it's bothering me. It's seriously bugging me. And Paul said off the off the pod that that's probably because it's not meant for me, and that's I'm willing to accept that. But it just still bothers me simply because I love all of these properties. Are we really surprised at these reactions? I'm not. I'm not surprised at the reactions that I'm seeing. I'm not angry at them either. I'm not blasting people, but. I keep seeing the same things over and over again. I made a couple of notes while you guys were talking. Terrific action, terrific humor, uh, bright characters, fun characters. Uh, Margot Robbie's the highlight. She doesn't need men. These women don't need men. Uh, <laughs> I saw that a couple of times. Uh, music's good. I'm good with a good soundtrack. I like that as well. Uh, pushing boundaries. I keep seeing that. Oh, Girl power. I saw that. Fourth wall too, Kristen. Don't forget. Breaking the fourth I wall. I saw that. Oh, yep. that, one, that one made me cringe out of my seat. Which, by the way, worked very well for Deadpool, extremely well for Deadpool, but that's because that's Deadpool. That's what he's supposed to do. He does that in the comics, too. He breaks the fourth wall all the time. The thing is this. What I feel is that all of these reactions, which may very well be heartfelt and genuine, I do not want to accuse anyone of being any different. We have our own opinions and feelings on a lot of these reviewers, so I will not go after any of them because it may may very well be heartfelt and genuine. But it feels to me that it's very much trying to remind everybody that DC is, yay, going in a different direction. And yay, we're really happy that they're going in that direction. And it feels like it was a little forced to say, man, this is so good. Can't you see that they're going in that different direction? You better go watch it and you better be excited that they're going in that different direction. So that's the only thing I – that's the only thing for me. I apologize for interrupting, Paul. That's the only thing for me that I I didn't – like about a lot of these reactions i didn't see too many heartfelt man that stunk now i don't want to see hate i don't want to see that i don't want to see people turn around and be like margot robbie sucks i hate this movie because it's like shazam but i don't want to see that necessarily something that seems like an honest assessment of why you don't like the movie i'm not seeing that either so that's i'll leave it at that lupe and i'll throw it back to you i'm just i'm still not excited about this i'm probably gonna go see it i really think i am gonna go see it but i i Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> I'll stop now. But it just seems that I'm not very surprised at, at these reactions. I'm not. Yeah, well, let, let me – sorry, Chris, just for – Lupe, before you jump in, let me say I would – if my wife showed any interest in this, I would go see it with her. But but this is not even on her radar. Now, I'm old, uh, and, and my wife's old too, relative to probably most of our listeners. Um, so this just isn't – this just isn't our demographic. But as I say, I'd give it a chance if she wanted to see it. But I've I don't even think she knows it exists, to be quite honest. And Paul, you're right. I, I'm I, I'm glad people think it's fun. That's great. I I watch comic book movies that are fun all the time. I, I there's a lot of MCU movie, MCU movies that are fun that I enjoy. 
there's something about this that's coming off the wrong way, and I can't put my finger on it. I wish I could. I'll shut up now. I'm sorry. I, well, I, I think Christian. I think I think you made a good point about uh, about a lot of these comments. Uh, they they praise how fun and quirky and humorous it is, and then immediately um, praise and then you know go on to sort of take a backhanded shot at the movies that came before it. Which, yeah. You know, like Shazam, it carves its own path. Uh, you know, or you know, or, <laughs> and we've been hearing since Wonder Woman how DC's finally going in the right direction, right? Um, so you know, you, you get tired of those kind of takes, and you're right. It does yeah. seem when you see the same thing over and over and over again, it does feel a little coordinated and disingenuous. Um, but that being said, who knows? Maybe that's what all these people really want to see. Uh, maybe I'm, you know, just uh, just in a different demographic than than the check marks. Who knows? Maybe. And but can't the movie also just be fun and and it's doing all this other stuff and girl power and all this other, without taking a shit on what came before it? Like, can it just, you know, like when not I with see DC, people, not with DC, you got always got to take a shit off the before it, right? I hear you, but it's the, and I see it all. The tribalism drives me up a freaking wall. I've said it before and I, and I don't want to go off on a, on a total tangent, but it, it happens before. Like somebody says, oh, well, I, Morbius looked really good. looks a lot better than anything in the DCU and MCU would do. Why? How about we just say Morbius looks good and leave it at that? Why don't we just say Harley Quinn, the emancipation of Harley Quinn or whatever looks good. And we don't have to take a crap on what happened before. I just. I don't know, Paul. I'm not. I'm not getting it. I'm not. I'm. I'm sorry. I apologize. But <laughs> <laughs> rant, go ahead. Rant, I know. Rant on rant on rant. Okay. Well, um, for me, I have mixed feelings about this. Uh, and I I read some of uh, Grace Randolph's reactions, and I think her reactions might be a little bit might might illuminate things a little bit more. I feel like a lot of the reactions we've read have been quite vapid. Um, you know, it's fun, it's quirky, girl power, they don't need, you know, guys, blah, blah, blah. That's, um, that's, that's quite vapid. And it's just, it's, you know, the, the state of film criticism this, these days is just, it's, they, they pander to the, to the peanut gallery. Um, there isn't a lot of depth or feeling to it. Um, it's basically commentary on on theme park rides, not commentary on films. So Grace Randolph says that <clears throat> Birds of Prey is a stunning show of loyalty to David Ayer, a true sequel to his Suicide Squad. Both the good and the bad, but no letter. <clears throat> she says Birds of Prey is extremely pro-feminist, a DCU's Charlie's Angels. That that got a good RT score, so suspect this will too. That's media. But true DC fans, when you see what happens to Black Mask, and she also says something about no real LGBT representation, and she says something that, with all this praise, David Ayer and Jared Leto should be really upset, as Kathy Yan and Ewan McGregor did the exact same stuff. So, finally, she says, I will say it's an improvement on Suicide Squad, she really hated Suicide Squad. I love Suicide Squad. But it's not as good as, say, The Gentleman. Of course it can't be. The Gentleman is freaking phenomenal. Which is, which it's very similar to as well. Although I'm sure it will do better than that film at the box office. I wouldn't tell anyone to skip it, but it's not a must-see. So basically what she's saying is what I have said from the trailers. That this film looks very much like Suicide Squad. And I love Suicide Squad. In terms of tone, in terms of like, you know, uh... The, the the mood, the characters, camera work, what it's going for. 
it seems like it really, really, really copies that movie. I think that the difference between Suicide Squad and this one is going to be that this one is pro-feminist. And one thing about media these days is that if you make something that's pro-feminist, it doesn't really matter what the quality is. It's going to get good, good, good reactions. That's just that's just it. So um, in terms of social media reaction, I'm not surprised by anything that I'm hearing. Um, in terms of people praising the action, Chad Stahelski was brought on to completely revamp the action as it was lacking in that. So I'm not surprised it's getting praise. He did the John Wick movies. They're known for phenomenal action. The thing that's turning me off from this movie and has been turning me off and why I'm not excited about it and I'm not putting my weight behind it is that their representation of these characters, their take on these characters is atrocious in my opinion and it is what it is black mask just looks terrible um the only person that looks okay is renee montoya and that's because she's just a cop uh cassandra kane black canary disgraceful um and i'm not talking about the race of the character i actually love the fact that the character you know is played by by a, a black lady i thought that that was inspired um huntress it's just it's um yeah it's 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 sad to me to see these characters portrayed in this way with the eye of someone who i feel has a disdain for the iconic comics so um that's that's where i stand uh people who are excited about it i, I hope they're excited about the the reactions and i hope that they they enjoy the the film i'll probably catch it sometime i'll probably you know catch it some way somehow but i'm not super excited i'm not surprised by anything i'm hearing it's a pro-feminist film so it was going to get good social media reactions by hooker by crook that's just the, that's just the truth any last words no i think you, i think both of you hit it and hopefully i hit it too it's what you're saying is correct it's just to me, it's just another example of Warner Brothers not necessarily 100% knowing to what to do with some truly wonderful IP that they own. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I'd actually disagree with that. I think they know exactly what they're doing here. I, I, I just think that we're not the, we're not the target market for it, and, and that's okay. Um, I think there is a large enough demographic oh. that this is aimed at that it'll be successful for them i think the budget's fairly low do you guys know what the budget is for this like it's, it's pretty reasonable no yeah it's pretty yeah i think it's sub i think it's sub 100 million I, yeah I think, yeah i think it's pretty reasonable and, and what do you guys yeah, think this will do think box office wise like like i know i know the early estimates were 45 to 55 opening weekend uh, i wouldn't be surprised if it beats that uh what do you what do you guys think it's r-rated which which to be sincere is no longer a crutch because we've seen r-rated Movies do, you know, buffo box office numbers. So um, I, I don't really know. And I mean, I'd like to play this game with you. But for this movie in particular, I don't really care. And I don't really think it matters that much, to be honest. The media is going to no. positive. The media yes. is going to spin it positive regardless of what happens. Like Shazam, right? Shazam is a is a triumph of of both uh, critical and financial success. It'll be because it it hits it it gives the media what they want: lighthearted, yeah. fun, not too serious, self aware, heroes being heroes. You know that kind of garbage, right? Yeah. Um, the, the, and the, and this, this one hits this one hits the check marks too to get the yeah, the media yeah. love, right? And yeah. yeah, before we go on, just to interject, the social media reaction that said, "Oh." It's good. It's like Shazam. That has to be like the worst endorsement I've that's, ever heard. So that's a warning sign. Yeah. Like Shazam. 
Shazam, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a bad movie, but it, it looks and feels like a CW movie. One of the lowest quality superhero films that I've seen in recent memory, to be sincere. It's, it's really quite disgraceful for a studio to have put out something like Shazam in this world when we're having things like what Marvel is doing, like the stuff that Zack Snyder did. Even bad superhero movies have more uh, quality investment and more cinematic presence than Shazam. So that's not a good comparison on any level. It's just, it's a fact. It's a you fact. It started, it started a TV actor and had a, lo- a bunch of TV actors in it with TV performances. Looked yep. like it was TV. So that that's not that's yeah. not a good endorsement at all. So that person yeah, needs to I'll, like amend their tweets. No, but but they they think they th- I mean these same people think Shazam's a triumph, right? So they're finally getting what they want. Um, and and they'll spin like you said they'll spin it as a success. Shazam made, Shazam made what under four hundred million worldwide, and they've spun that as a success. So. Um, you know, this if this makes three hundred million worldwide, worldwide, it's going to be spun as a triumph, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 like you say, we don't care about box office, but uh, you know, going back to Christian's original point, they don't know what they're doing. Well, I think they do, uh, in in the sense that they've gone low budget. They know they're going to make their money back on this. Um, it's just targeted at a specific demographic, and it's probably going to work for that demographic. So. Yeah, and if the, if you're using that, then what you're saying makes sense, absolutely, and I don't disagree with you. But I just, I still feel like they just, you get Shazam, you get this. Now they're doing something different with the Batman. I just, I mm-hmm. really think they don't know. Overall, they don't blast the MCU all you guys want. They have a strategy, and they oh, have a guy in their team at the top that know exact. They yeah. have the next yeah. phase planned out which might yeah. change if they you know win a contract or something or they see the x-men might go in another direction and make more money they might change it but they have a strategy that's already mapped out that we can agree or disagree with on another pod but dc is like no, paul, paul paul i'm gonna have to agree with Kristen. i mean dc these are the guys that just put out a joker movie that internally they were rooting against a movie they, they that they, that, they didn't that, even want that to go. Yeah, they didn't they, want that to succeed. Did, yeah, they didn't even but want it to succeed. Like this is this is Hamada's baby, though, isn't it? Is this not the first one that's truly Walter Hamada? Yeah, but no, but don't forget that they brought they had to bring on a director to revamp the the action scenes. They do not know what they're doing. They well, don't. She's, know she's a young director, right? She's fairly inexperienced, yeah. right? I don't think it's the, so why, the worst yes. thing in the world. Exactly. So why would you even hire her in the first place if you didn't? You know, if because, you because know, this is a this is a movie made by women for women, and they they had yeah, to hit. But then, why didn't they give her some help in the first place? If like when when Pat Jenkins made uh, Wonder Woman, Zack Snyder knew that action was not her forte, so he equipped her with all of the people from Cruel and Unusual, his production company. He helped with all the action, and everything went smoothly. They don't know what they're doing. They really don't. Jared Letter is not in this one. What's happening to Joker? Joker is part of the story. They're having like Superman and Shazam, a headless Superman, because they didn't plan things out properly. What like they don't know what they're doing. They're just winging it. Yeah. Movie by movie. Well, I think they're they've gone for a disconnected universe, for better or for worse. I mean, for me, the Snyderverse was the way to go. It was perfect. It's everything I ever wanted. Uh and they took it away from us and they replaced it with disjointed sort of uh 
lower budget, um, target specific audiences uh, with with less connectivity or no connectivity, uh, no. depending on the film, right? Yeah, exactly. um, so, so, so you could say you could say they don't know what they're doing, but I think they do know what they're doing. I think this is their their new model. It's like the, the the new model is basically no model. I like it. <laughs> well, it's it's yeah yeah basically. I mean, it's it's low budget. It's keep the cost low. It's it's make a movie that targets a specific audience. Uh, keep the budget low enough that it's going to be profitable, even if it doesn't, you know, go gangbusters, and uh, and don't tie themselves down. Uh, now, Batman, they maybe got a little more confidence exactly. in. Exactly. Like, I mean, but but again, that that's rumored to be a trilogy. No one said it's going to be. I, I like recently, I've not heard that. I mean, this is one movie, and then see how it goes, right? Um, and not intended to be connected, as far as we know. So. They've just moved away from connection. Uh, now, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Wonder Woman 84. Well, actually, Wonder Woman 84 is still a prequel, right? So you don't have to worry about connect connection yeah, there. I guess Aquaman yeah. 2 is it's, the next. Uh, my, brain, my brain just fell. <laughs> <laughs> you brought Wonder Woman. I was just thinking, like, what is it connected to? Where is it? What is going against me? Like, all right. It, it's not connected to anything. <laughs> In fact, it could, it could undo It could undo the uh, – the, 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 uh, you know what was established previously, right? Yeah, it could, um, it, and maybe I, that's the point. The Who knows? Wonder we'll find out. Well, that's and, and that's Aquaman what I'm telling you. I, I I am still convinced that they're going to do something with Flash in the future, and that they have something in their back pocket to say, if we want to, here's a nuclear bomb. The entire DCU is starting from scratch. You, and you have we, you have too much faith in them thinking that they actually have a plan. No, I'm like, not saying a plan. I'm saying that they have that to say, if nothing else works. Hit the fucking mm -hmm. button and reset, mm -hmm. and they could do it with that and, and say, reset. "Fine, we erase everything that came before it. That's it." Well, what's left to erase? You got you got Miller, Momoa, and Godot, right? Everyone, everything else is gone. Yeah, but right? you could still you have those three guys. This, you could still have them. The thing, they, they could work with them. Yeah, the thing I, Sorry, I've said ahead. about this, and I'll continue to say for people to know, is that DC doesn't have people who love comics who grew up right. reading comics and who like comics is in the dc comics is in the dna they don't have those people running running the films on any level they have people who come from uh their new line studio and those guys they're they're horror aficionados so you're, you're just putting like basic movie execs who do not know this material into um something that's that's quite specific. That's where Marvel is winning. That's where Zack Snyder was was key. Um, you don't always have to have that to make a particular movie, but I think in terms of producers and people who are supposed to see the big picture, I think you do need to have those because those people, they understand the big picture and the potential of things. And I've always said this, anybody... Anybody, anywhere who says they don't want to see a DC connected universe is not a comic book fan. Period. It's no, not. I, it's I don't. I don't know if you could. I don't know if you could make a blanket it's, statement like that. And just, just to play devil's yes. advocate. No, I will. I will make a blanket statement like that. Don't let this one thing that we need to remember about this quote unquote renaissance of comic books. A lot of people are just Johnny Come lately. A lot of these people that you see acting like comic book fans, they weren't reading comic books when they were kids. And I'm not saying that you have to. Now. I'm not saying. Yeah. I'm not saying. I'm not. I'm not making an indictment on people. I'm just making a, a a valid statement. When I was in high school, I was a basketball player, and I used to hide comics. <laughs> I used to hide comics and my Magic the Gathering cards from my friends, and I used to play with like 
my other friends and talk comics and stuff like that when I could. But it was something that a lot of like my friends and even girlfriends that I had didn't even know that I was into comics because it was just going to look dorky and it was going to look geeky and all that kind of stuff. X2 was the first comic book movie I think that's on theaters where I was like, man, like we're, we're going to come out of the shadows. I don't know why X2 was, it wasn't really the first one, but that was, I, I sensed the change. That was the one it's that funny. I sensed. Where X, like, X-Men was the like, first movie I think I went to with my wife before we were married. That was our first ooh, movie we saw together. It was the first X-Men. Yeah. Look at that. But but what I'm saying is I'm not making an indictment on people. You can be a comic book fan that comes from anywhere. But I'm saying in terms of I, I take it personal when people make these harsh statements and these uh, universe defining statements like the, the people like I heard someone say that Devin Farachi was never a comic book fan. that like He's just acting like one that he used to bully and make fun of comic book fans when he wasn't. On a on another forum before birth death movies, so these are the people that are coming around telling you how Superman should be acting and how comic books should be, but they never grew up reading comics. They're just capitalizing on the new popularity, and that's the problem that I have. Mm-hmm. So anyway, my little my little rant, my little rant <laughs> over. I apologize. I, I don't, well, I don't disagree with you on that last part, but. But I think I just play devil's advocate. I mean, you see the writer for this one now. It's named Christina Hobson, is it? Uh, mm-hmm. Going out of her way to praise DC, working with DC, which I think you know in this case means Jim Lee, right? And Jim Lee is uh, is uh, considered uh, on good uh, on good terms with Snyder, right, by most accounts. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's had a lot. She's had a lot of praise for DC. She's uh, been she's a writer for this one. She's I believe she's attached to the Flash movie now too, right? She's writing the Flash movie. Mm-hmm. I thought I saw that, which I, I guess means that Grant. That. Yep. Which I guess means that Grant Morrison is is off it, right? Uh, which we talked mm-hmm. about. I think previously mm-hmm. we weren't sure, but mm-hmm. it sounds like he is. Um. So who knows? I mean, maybe maybe there maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe there is a plan. Uh, I mean, I'm not holding my breath, but uh, you know, I have a little bit of faith in Jim Lee. Um, yeah, wait, you know, time I, out. Are you being positive? What, what is what is going <laughs> on? Here? I, what I'm is, just countering your your extreme negativity. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, positive, positive is a, uh, a relative thing at this point, right? Yeah, like, positive one. <laughs> yeah. I'm not for this. <laughs> so, okay, I mean, just to, to bring it back to reality for a second, I mean, I'm not going to get over what we lost. We lost exactly what I wanted. We had what I wanted. And unfortunately, I figured it out too late. You know, like I said, I was checked out of comic book movies when BVS came out. I like Christian. I was a skeptic about the Affleck casting. Um, and to be honest, I wasn't as... Um, you know, I wasn't as aware of directors back then. The um, the backlash to BVS um, and and the hate thrown at Snyder is is actually what made me more focused on on uh, on directors as mm-hmm. you know as, as such an important component of the of the film. And, and actually, Lupe, I, here's a plug for your uh, the podcast that you did recently uh, on your favorite directors. Um, it, it really is now to the point where I. You know, as you guys said in that podcast, it's not so much uh, movie star driven anymore. There is sort of, um, uh, I guess, an attraction to uh, auteur directors, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I didn't really realize that or clue into that uh, until I saw the fallout to BVS and then started looking at, at, at um, you know, Zack Snyder's filmography and realized how much I liked those movies. And, and then it sort of made you more aware of some of the other directors and you start to see the repeated patterns of like, 
hey, you know what? I, I noticed that I always like this guy's movie. And, you know, you're aware of guys like, um, you know, Spielberg or uh, or Lucas, you know, um, or more recently, Nolan, uh, Ridley Scott, I'm a big fan of. But, but you know, it wasn't really until BVS that I really started to examine just how much, um, you know, how, how critical that is. And we, we had exactly, uh, in hindsight, we had exactly the universe I would have wanted. So, um, you know, now anything pales in comparison. And, and this is definitely a budget scattershot universe. But it sounds like within the constraints of a budget scattershot disconnected universe, maybe there is some involvement from DC and they're trying to come up with something, uh, you know, just just to play devil's advocate. So it's a it's positive in a, in a relative sense. Uh, overall, though, I, I, I just feel an incredible sense of loss for what we used to have and, and got taken away from us. Well, nothing, nothing else to say about that. Let's yeah. try to let's try to move on and try to get on a positive note, although uh, it depends on how you see this. We're going to talk about another uh, comic book property, and this one is Bloodshot. It's the from Valiant Comics, and this is starring Vin Diesel, and it got its rating from the uh, board... What's the board called again? Is it the M- MRP or something like that? Uh, maybe I'm getting it terribly wrong. I can't remember, but it's going to be PG-13. That's the most important thing. Okay, and um. Yeah, what do you guys think about that? Bloodshot. Even the name alone, Bloodshot. It doesn't even sound PG thirteen. <laughs> like, what is going on? Uh, yeah. Or or Paul, like somebody, please. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so so it, so it's surprised. I mean, it never even crossed my mind that this might be PG thirteen. Everything that we'd seen so far just screamed R-rated comic book movie to me. Like, it didn't even yeah. cross my mind that this would be PG-13. So so apparently, though, this has been known for some time. Like, this was this was something that was announced back in October, I guess, um, mm-hmm. at New Comic York City Comic Con, which, I mean, somehow flew under the radar for me, I guess. Um, I guess, you know, you don't... I guess it depends what makes... You know, what what what's the line between PG-13 and rated R, right? And it's usually, I guess, uh, at least I thought it was sort of extreme violence, blood, maybe language. Uh, I don't think you need a lot of coarse language. I mean, I don't mind coarse language within context, but um, I also find that coarse language can actually detract a lot of the time. It can come across like it's like it's trying too hard to be edgy um, and and actually detract from the movie. So so I don't think that's a, a concern. I'm not worried about you know the language being too soft. Um, I haven't seen many signs of humor in this, so so that's always a plus. Um, and and in terms of violence, I mean, I would have thought that that gore, um, like you know, dismemberment, bloodshed, would have got a rated R rating. And you see that one scene in the trailer where they blow half his face off, and he's he's still coming forward and pulling out his gun as his face is pulling itself back together. I would have thought that that might be the kind of stuff that would get uh, a little harsher rating, but I guess not. So, you know, I guess. It, it worries me a little bit that it might be watered down, but then I saw some commentary by the uh, one of the filmmakers. I'm not sure whether it was the director or who it was that was quoted, but basically they said that they they did exactly what they intended to and that they weren't constrained at all by the ratings. So um, I'll 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 throw a little positivity there and, and say that I'm uh, I'm I'm still I'm still optimistic and um, uh, specifically cautiously optimistic that this rating won't uh, detract from the movie. What did you guys think about it? Yeah, you know, I, well, I, I don't think 
I want to be clear. I don't think PG-13 automatically means that it takes a step backwards. Like when it comes, especially with comic book movies, my, my favorite comic book movies of all time are Winter Soldier, Dark Knight, X-Men Days of Future Past. Those are my tops. And those good good ones. Good. I adore those. Now that doesn't mean I don't love other movies, but those are just, those are my top. Those are in my top, like top six, top seven. Yeah, yeah. I knew you had good taste, Lupe. Great minds think alike. You know. <laughs> I mean, all all joking aside, but they're now they're all PG thirteen movies. Um, now that being said, Logan is a fantastic freaking movie. It's fantastic, and that's rated R. Now, I think that movie needed to be rated R for the story that they were going to tell. Uh, you guys would know better than me before I move on to my next point. Is the Ultimate Edition of BVS R rated? Yes, it is. I love it. I really enjoy the Ultimate Edition of BVS, and we we've talked about that before. I don't my I don't like it as much as you guys, but I really enjoy, especially the Ultimate Edition of that movie. Now, so Christian, don't don't want to cut you off, but I just want to throw one question in here. Do you guys know what it was in the Ultimate Edition of BVS that that actually crossed the line and got at the R rating? Yeah, it was a uh, blood splatter in the Batman. Warehouse yeah. guy's head basically exploding in the yeah. <laughs> right, and and that was sort of my point that I was bringing up about blood splatter. Like, how do you blow half the guy's face off and get bloodshot and not get the R rating for that? Right. I, I have I have an explanation for that. So that whole scene is shot in red lights. So every all That's the particles, whether it's flesh, whether it's a t-shirt, whether it's Fabric, metal are all bathed in red light. Obviously, because we're humans and we're intelligent, we can see the consistency of substances and, you know, like the particles are different. So we can tell, okay, that's blood, that's a T-shirt, that's uh, asphalt or that's concrete, you know, whatever. Um, so I think that might have been their excuse or their, their trick because whenever, you know, these... Movie productions are trying to get a rate and depending on their goals, they may want to get, you know, the broadest. If it's a blockbuster and they invest a lot of money, you want to get the broadest audience possible. And an R rated audience is much smaller than a PG 13 rated audience. So I, th- I, I think that that's how they skirted around that constraint because, as I said, the trailer alone looks like kids shouldn't watch it. Yeah. And I and I think you're right because like Logan as great as it was still made what was it 670 million dollars something like that and it it didn't now Joker made a billion yes but it's hard for R rated movies to go that high to get to that point. It is definitely very tough for them to do it. So I understand why they go that route and I understand why studios decide to mandate it. So I'll say it this much if if they're mandating the movie, if that if that stops the filmmaker and his or her team from being able to do what they want to do, just the way James Mangold wasn't able to do what he wanted to do with Wolverine 2, then yes, I have a problem with the rating being dropped from R to PG-13. Mm-hmm. Now, Mangold was able to do whatever the hell he wanted for Logan, and that movie was rated R. However, to Paul's point, Sam Dasani, who is the producer, said, I can say, quote, I can say that personally for me, there's no regret. Oh, I wish we had made it R. We could have pushed this movie a little further if we did. I think this is the movie we intended to make, end quote. Now, he could just be saying the right thing and being a good soldier, 
but he's a producer on it. If they're making the movie they intended to make after they said at the very beginning since its inception, where the inception of this movie is that it's going to be PG-13, I have zero problems with it at all. My issue is when they step in and they start doing what they need to do to say, hey, you know what? You're going to have to take, 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 take in order to get us to that PG-13. That's when I have a little bit of a problem. So I will end it by saying I don't necessarily think this is automatically a bad thing. But it is mildly surprising considering the subject matter that we have with this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, for me, I'll keep it. I'll keep it brief. I, in terms of a film that I thought should be, especially a comic book movie that I thought should be R-rated, that ended up being PG-13. Venom immediately comes to mind. People were like really shocked that Venom was going to be PG-13. Cried about it. The movie came out. I love Venom. Mixed feelings on a lot of y'all's part. Critics didn't like it. It made a ton of money. So a lot of people actually, at least to a degree, like it. Um, I still do feel that if Venom had been given an R rating, it's like anything. If you're given the latitude, you will use it. Now, all these directors can say, oh, you know, we're able to do what we wanted to do. But if, if they'd been given an R rating, they'd have gone even further. There would have been way more blood, way more gore, way more curse words, you know, that sort of thing. So while I think that they're, they, I believe them that they, that they were able to make, you know, the movie violent and, and hardcore in the way that they wanted to, if they'd been given an R rating, it could have even gone even that much further. And I think that we have so many PG-13 comic book movies that we need things that are different, that are pushing the envelopes, that are being more extreme in different ways, even if it's just to differentiate yourself from the other things out there. So that it's not just, you know, another comic book archetype, just yeah. by another name in another costume. Right. You know, so um, I, I'm sticking to my guns that regardless of how good this movie is, I will always feel that it should have been R-rated because that's the way I feel about Venom. And Venom... The sequel is going to have Carnage in it, and Carnage is even more hardcore. Yeah, he's nuts. He's he's, <laughs> he's freaking he's nuts. Like <laughs> what? And to me, I just can't imagine you having a PG thirteen movie with Carnage in it. Carnage? <laughs> what? So um, yeah, I hear what they're saying about being able to make the, the films that that they intended to make, but I just I just can't buy it it's always going to linger in my mind like a splinter in my mind that it should have been R rated. So well, to, to your earlier point, like this is not something I would ever take my daughter to, right? Like, so why not make it R rated, right? Like this yeah, isn't exactly. something you're, who's going to bring their kids to this. I mean, maybe if you've got, you know, I don't know, like a little bit older. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just can't pick like this. This just to me seems like a movie made for adult comic book I mean, fans. Guys yeah. think of this. Birds of Prey is R-rated, but Bloodshot is going to be PG-13. What's the world coming to? I know, it's weird. That's backwards. And, and, and you know, <laughs> Birds of Prey will be praised. It, well, it's already being praised for, for its oh, R-rated yeah. violence, right? But Absolutely. you know what? If, if if Bloodshot went for the R-rated violence route, uh, it would probably be bashed for it, right? Yeah, so true. who knows? Yeah, that might be. Yep, might be. Yeah. Okay, let's go on to a fun topic, and this one is about Lethal Weapon 4. We've been uh, we're going to be hit with a, a huge dose of nostalgia because they're they're making a new movie. They're saying they're trying to make a last one. 
just one more time. And uh, <laughs> Dick Donner, Richard Donner, is going to be coming back. The original cast is coming back. Mel Gibson, Dan Glover, and uh, they're saying it's just amazing. The story itself is very personal to, to him, to Richard Donner, and that Mel and Danny are ready to go. So it's just simply about the script. Guys, what's your relationship with the Lethal Weapon franchise, and what do you think about One Last Try? And do you think that they're too old for this shit? <laughs> they, they, uh, Who wants to go they, first? They, Christian, they you, might... you probably got something more intelligent to say than me. So, oh, I, I first of all, I never have anything more intelligent than you to say. So that's <laughs> number that's number one. Uh, it, it, look, guys, I think it was 1998 when Lethal Weapon Four came out last, and and Mel Gibson was old in 1998. So <laughs> I don't know what he's what he is now. Are they too old? for a movie like this okay yes, yeah yes, they are. yes they are i i i'm sorry i think they are and what are we gonna do are we gonna have the, is it gonna be a buddy comedy with two old guys look i like this franchise okay four was one of the weaker ones it was definitely one of the weaker ones but i do like this franchise and they decided to start going with more buddy cop action comedy as the series went on the three of us talked off the pod the first one was not like that the first one was more serious, and uh, it, it was more of an action movie, great movie, it, I would say. So, the, and and it, it definitely inspired other action movies that came out after it. Lethal Weapon definitely inspired other action movies that came out after it. Was a great, it was a good franchise. It it shows me that Hollywood's trying to go back to the well yet again. Let's get back to our nostalgia one more time. Maybe we can get another franchise and bring it back. We already tried Karate Kid and a bunch of other '80s ones. I'm sure we're going to do it again. So. I can't tell you that I'm sitting here excited about it. I don't know where the hell they're going to go, right? Didn't Riggs and Lorna get married at the end of the last movie? So now they're married. They're supposed to have a kid. So that kid's going to be 20. Oh, Jesus, dude. I have no idea where they're going to go with this thing. Right now, it's Inception. So they're just thinking about what they want to do. I, I have no idea. <laughs> so I, I, can't, I can't tell you I'm really excited about this. But I'm not surprised because we got Hollywood going back to another franchise again and trying to get us all nostalgic about something and bring something back from the dead. Now, Top Gun looks kind of cool. So maybe they can do something with this that'll get me interested in it. I, maybe. I don't know. Paul, be positive. <laughs> tell yeah, me how. No, am I am I am I three and two on the positive, or am I am I two and two right now? I I think I think I'm about to fall into negative territory of the positivity. Um, so I'm not a buddy comedy guy. Like I just I never have been a buddy comedy guy, and I'm not a big nostalgia. I mean, well, it's got its time and its place, but uh, this just this just doesn't appeal to me. And I didn't mind the Lethal Weapon movies when they were, um, you know, when they first came out. Um, but it's 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 it, the ship is sailed it's come and gone a long time ago and i'm not i'm not asking for it to come back um now that being said uh, who knows you know let's see if this actually comes to fruition i'll wait like any other movie i'll give the trailer a chance and uh and and see but but this just doesn't unless they this really surprised me this doesn't seem like the kind of thing i'd be interested in now one thing actually that did surprise me a little bit about this and this goes back to the 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 uh the point about directors i was touching on earlier I had no idea that Richard Donner had done the first four and he's, <laughs> yeah. and he's in talks to do the fifth one. Yeah. And he hasn't done anything since 2006 when, um, what did he have come out in 2006? I mean, aside from the Donner cut came out in 2006, uh, he had something called 16 blocks. And prior to that, he had something called timeline in 2003. So it's been a long time since we've seen Richard Donner. So that, that would, I guess, inspire some curiosity alone. Um, I'd be, 
I'd be very interested to see if all the Richard Donner Superman fans come out and support Richard Donner for this one. Uh, something <laughs> tells me that that, 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 we, that we might not uh, we might not see any, see them. You know, they might not be there uh, with their wallets. But uh, um, hey, that's that's a bit of a curiosity. But um, no, I, I think this this. I have a feeling that this won't ever happen, right? This rumor also Yo. surfaced about two years, three years ago, 2017. I think there was this same similar rumor surfaced. Uh, I don't think this will ever happen personally, but Danny, who knows? Danny Glover, 74, bro. Oh, my God. 74. You want to wow. see him and Riggs carrying those guns? If, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I just I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. I don't know you what know, to say. They could make it real dark, and these guys know they're 74, and they know they're old, and they know they're broken, and they're real bitter. And they shoot first <laughs> without asking questions, like just ultra violent, like just look at them the wrong way and they smoke you. That that could kind of interest me, maybe you know. <laughs> All right. Well, um, for me, like *Lethal Weapon* is is one of the movies that I I remember watching as a kid. Like it's the the memory is so far back that it's vague and hazy, and I, I remember the always being confused by the by the suicidal thoughts of Mel Gibson's character and really trying to wrestle with what it was and how dark that was and what someone like that was going through and obviously at that age you just you cannot even if you know what what suicide is you don't understand what what depression is and mental illness are and like that was a film that dealt with like really heavy serious stuff um, one of the things that, that I'm, I'm glad I watched it as a kid because watching serious stuff like that has definitely influenced me as a lover of film. Um, and so I concur with, uh, with Paul that I hope that they go in a, in a, in a more serious way that it's not, you know, some camp buddy comedy, like it kind of morphed into, and that happens when things get popular. And you get popular demands and bigger budget demands on things. And the motive is no longer what it was at its nascent inception. It is about the bloated fat cats and mm -hmm. the money-making machine of Hollywood. I, I hope that they're able to dial it back a bit. Um, obviously, talk about this is inspired by the success of the new bad boys movie um and the bad the new bad boys movie it's a body cop comedy all out comedy all out theme park ride not serious in the least bit and it looks amazing i haven't yet seen it just been too busy too it's one of my uh highly anticipated movies of 2020 um but lethal weapon 4 if they don't make it cliched it's one i'll be very interested in because um, Danny Glover and Mel Gibson are two actors that I really, really, really respect. But the thing about Mel Gibson, I'm not sure about Danny Glover because I haven't seen work of his in recency, is Mel Gibson can go either way. <laughs> the guy, know. he can yeah, do like yeah. the weirdest, campiest, dumbest, most vapid stuff. And he can do the most inspirational, um, auteur, prestige things. He's He's a strange one like that. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how this journey goes, and I actually do hope that they make it. Um, and I hope that, as I said, they put a uh, a new unique spin on old guys, you know, um, 
they can't be in the police force. They're too old. Right. But they right. can they can be vigilantes or they could be enjoying retirement and be, you know, pulled back in. And th- there is room to do something really interesting. So Lethal Weapon 4, um, a little hit of nostalgia, and they can do it in the right way. I, I truly believe so. So those are our discussion topics uh, for the week of news. And we're diving into our coming soon section where we're going to talk about a few trailers and we're going to talk about a particular film that's coming to theaters. It's going to be a new feature that we're going to try to bring in. Uh, so let's start with a trailer and I'll have both of you take the lead on this and educate me since it's a trailer that I haven't yet seen, but I will watch it. If you guys are able to convince me it's irresistible. So let's start with uh, Christian. You know, this one was interesting. I, I got this one passed to me from somebody else, actually, on Twitter and was like, hey, man, you might like this because he knows I like political com- comedies. And it's got the right cast. It's got Chris Cooper, Steve Carell. Uh, it's also got Rose Byrne. And Deborah Messing is in it. Topher Grace, uh, Natasha Lyonne, uh, C.J. Wilson, I want to say, is also in it as well. And it's made by John Stewart. And, you know, John Stewart, we haven't seen too much of him since he left uh the, the, the show that he had yeah, yeah really so Central. now it, it's an interesting premise it's uh it stars Carell, who's a democratic strategist after he discovers the video of a retired marine colonel who is played by chris cooper by the way i love chris cooper he decides to pledge support for the rights of his local townsfolk's undocumented workers and he's convinced that he's found the way to a right-wing skewing in the heartland of america so basically if, if you guys know anything about uh, United States politics, the heartland of the USA is very right wing, very Republican, very red. Uh, and it's very difficult for a left winger, a quote unquote liberal, uh, to break into there because even if they're a more moderate liberal, it's very difficult for that liberal to make any sort of headway in the deep south and the heartland, the middle part of the United States. So basically, uh, afterwards, he decides to run. Steve Carell decides to run his campaign. Once the GOP, the Republicans, find out that he's actually making some headway, they send in Rose Byrne, who actually has a bit of a previous relationship with him, and she goes in to challenge him, and then it turns into complete chaos and complete comedy at that point. So I think the majority of this is probably the fish out of water aspect of it that, you know, you got this guy that's going into, he's from, I think, New England, and, you know, he's got the very liberal sensibilities, and he's going to go out there, and he's trying to have cows positioned properly and things like that uh and flags are falling all over the place and everything he does seems to be the wrong thing and it to me it's my kind of movie it seemed very funny uh it was small john stewart always made me laugh even if you disagreed with his politics and a lot of people did he always bought it in a way that was strong he he hit you upside the face he made you think even when he went after some of the more hardcore right-wing guys they turned around and said hey i respect him because he made me question a couple things and they left it at that so my guess is the movie is going to be very slanted when you take a look at it i'm sure it's going to be very slanted however at the same time it's got the right comedy talent i think that could make it so that 
you'll watch it. And if you're a supporter of one side, you won't automatically turn your face off. You won't automatically turn yourself off to it. There were a couple of moments where like some of the farmers were trying to tell Steve Carell what to do and how he was doing it wrong. And it just had a couple of funny moments in there because again, that fish out of water part of it is something that I really enjoyed. So, and I, and I like this political banter going back and forth where they're not too serious about it. They're actually trying to make a joke because movies like that make us question. And they make us look at each other and say, why do we hate one another because of our stupid political beliefs? And it shouldn't be like that. We should just be laughing because at the end of the day, this crap is funny. So <laughs> because other people kind of control our lives and the elites, you know, mm-hmm. so so that that to me was funny. So it was very short. It wasn't anything big. I don't know if I'm going to go see it in theaters, um, but uh, it, it's definitely a film festival kind of film. Uh, so it seems like it's one that's up your alley, Lupe. So I would say watch it and see if it's uh, if it's something that you find funny. I, I would definitely recommend watching the uh, the trailer. Yeah, even even before Paul jumps in, like it it, it sounds you you did a very good job <laughs> convincing me because um, I'm from I'm originally from uh, Virginia, which is. Uh, <laughs> Which is East Coast, but I grew up in the Midwest, Chicago, Indiana. I know that area very well. Trust me. <laughs> when you talk about the politics and right wing stuff, and trust me, I grew up around them farm boys, and <laughs> trust me, I know. So, um, yeah, Paul, uh, go ahead and, and tell us what you thought about Irresistible. You know, I'm I'm not American. I've never lived in the U.S. Um, I do spend some time in Florida, but. Um, I don't know. You know, it, um, I think I don't think I can add a whole lot to what Christian said. I mean, I guess, you know, we can all relate to this uh, to, to some degree. I imagine this would be what it would be like for, uh, you know, someone who's liberal uh, in Canada, liberal leaning, heading out to Alberta, for example, uh, which tends to be more um, more conservative. Um, you know, it, it looked the, the trailer looked funny. I mean, I, I typically try and avoid politics these days. I've, I've just become so turned off with how polarized um, better off. Yeah, it just it yeah. just I don't I don't enjoy I anything around it, and and U.S. politics. Um, so it's, so like, it's, it's like entertainment television for the rest of the world, right? So, with a little bit of fear factor uh, built in because you don't know how crazy it's going to get. But uh, you know, you know, it's uh, I I think it would probably be entertaining, you know, to watch it. Uh, I don't know if something I'd rush out to see, but it's the kind of thing that if it ends up on streaming, I'll, I'll give it a chance for sure. What do you guys think? Um, no, like, as I said, you know, you guys have done it. I mean, I'd say Christian did a good job convincing me. You didn't do a good job, good enough job convincing me. <laughs> <laughs> but Christian already convinced me. And, um, I mean, I agree with what you say about politics. I, I'm still very interested in politics. I vote, do my due diligence. But, um, yeah, silly me. I, I thought politics was super divisive and, and heartbreaking. And so I decided, you know what, I'll just focus on, you know, comic books and film Twitter. And it's the same thing. It's the exact. It's the yeah, exact you're right. The thing. tribalism is real, man. It is real. It's the exact same thing. So um, from Irresistible Trip, let's go to Fast and Furious 9. We didn't get a full trailer, but we got a teaser to a trailer that will soon be coming out around Super Bowl festivities. Um, and I can start talking about this. Um, this one it had no car stunts in it. I think they no, were, it yeah, it they they were really trying to show us that you know it's doing something completely different. It's really focused on something they've never focused on before, family. <laughs> 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 no, but but to, to be to be sincere, 
um, family is something that the franchise has always focused on. Obviously, Fast and Furious and Family, three Fs. <laughs> that's really what it should be called. Um, it, it looks like, you know, with Dom, you know, and having a kid, um, that's a new element to bring to it, really. Um, but <laughs> I can see the movie starting out like, like they're trying to do a drama. And then something goes wrong and they just go back to their old ways. <laughs> and they get pulled back into the shenanigans and the superhero stuff. Um, I, 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 I like the teaser. It seems like it's more of the same. And Fast and Furious is one of the first franchises that has been able to do the exact same thing and just recycle it and we're okay with it. Yeah. We 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 know it's a theme park ride. We know it's vapid. We know there is there isn't much substance to it. We know it's full of empty platitudes, and we just like the characters. We like the people who make the movies. Um, they're charismatic, fun. They seem like good people, good at heart. Um, and one thing I like about the Fast franchise is that it's not a franchise that competes with any other franchise. It's not Fast and Furious versus Transformers or Fast and Furious versus DC or Fast and Furious versus Star Wars, you know. There is no real Fast and Furious fandom, quote-unquote, so to speak. We are all Fast and Furious fans, but um, I like the fact that the movies just exist on their own. Critics don't really have an agenda with them. They don't specifically hate them or love them. They just, you know accept them for what they are it's it's a it's a really unique sort of franchise because a lot of big franchises mega temple franchises that are making you know huge blockbusters and spawning you know um spin-offs and all that sort of stuff are, are highly beleaguered and have toxic fandoms and tribalism and divisiveness we can see it with star wars we can see it with star trek we can see it with dc See with Marvel, we can see with Transformers. It it doesn't stop. Um, but this this franchise has just been so blessed and so lucky to be in this space, have these actors who who love the franchise, who genuinely love the franchise, who love each other, who have a, a real bond, a real family, a real friendship. I'm I'm glad that for a lot of them it's helped their careers because a lot of them are not like the best actors. Yeah. the type of actors that get a lot of casting calls so this is you know like put foot on their tables giving them a, a steady paycheck steady income a steady job in, in what can be a very torturous tumultuous you know sort of career so um yeah that's 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 a completely different perspective and it's not that's <laughs> the trailer reaction but I, I thought that was that was something that really struck me about seeing fast and furious nine nine guys nine and going very strong uh so what do you guys think of the fast and furious nine teaser i i know that this franchise continues to just make money they they crank out billion dollar films or they get pretty damn close and it's incredible what they're able to do with basically rehashing the same formula over and over again sometimes bringing in a new star like the rock and getting him involved in it, but and even Gal Gadot was part of the, the Fast and Furious franchise too. It's incredible. They've just been able to do it. And by the way, you mentioned family, and yes, family is a huge part of the Fast franchise. 
but that spilled over to real life. Vin Diesel loved Paul Walker. He friggin' loved that man. And when he died, he had serious issues. They talked about him being depressed, and he took it very personally when Walker died. So, you know, that spills over into real life, and I think the chemistry comes out on screen. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I have not watched a fast movie in theaters in a while. It's been a while since I've seen it. Now, I watch every one. I see every single one. I usually see it on demand later on, and I catch it on digital. But I haven't watched one in the theaters in a little while, and I don't know if I'm going to watch this one in theaters either. I have no idea if I will yet. But I will always see them, and they will always be entertained. I have yet to see one where I walk away saying, well, that was crap. And even if it was crap, I still liked it. Go figure. This franchise seems to just do it over and over again. So not much to talk about yet in terms of the trailer here because we don't see anything. So I'll drop it here just to say if they do more of the same, and I can't see them going too crazy because John Cena, I think, is the enemy. So uh, you're not talking about a stellar actor in John Cena. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think they're going to have any Oscar-worthy, you know, thespians here going crazy. But it, it, it's still, even if it's more of the same, it's still going to be entertaining. I don't know. Paul, what's your take? I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Uh, I have not seen two through seven or eight, I guess it is. So uh, so this trailer meant nothing to me, and I got nothing to say. So uh, okay. <laughs> move it on. Okay. Well, move, well, well, short and sweet. Um, moving on, uh, the Ghost in the Shell trailer, and this is a Netflix production. Uh, the I'd like to hear what you guys think, thoughts of the last the Ghost in the Shell movie with Charlie Theron, who can play it. Anything she wants, Anything. including a tree. Scarlett, <laughs> Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson, you mean? Scarlett Johansson, sorry, no, yeah, no Scarlett Theron. Scarlett Johansson. Um, so yeah, what do you guys think of of the trailer for this? Have you guys seen the original Ghost oh, yes. anime? And uh, what are your all your thoughts surrounding this? I haven't seen this trailer. It's one of the ones that I haven't been able to get to. And if you guys convince me, I will I will watch it. But I, I want you guys to give a lot of background context on this while you talk about this trailer. So we can start with uh, Christian. Well, Ghost in the Shell, you're right. Ghost in the Shell is a manga uh, cyberpunk series. And it's uh, it focuses on a counter, I guess you'd call it like a cybo terror organization. And, and the, the series is more than just manga. It goes to anime, uh, video games, and obviously we got some films. If you've watched the first one that came out a while ago, that, that anime slash movie, that is unbelievable. That If you're into Akira, heavy metal, movies like that, you will love Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell changed the game. I would never profess to be an anime connoisseur. I know all this stuff about anime. You want to ask some other members of the Exiles that I think know a lot more than me. But I know what I like, and I like that. And I liked it because it crossed genres it crossed over sci-fi action even drama with uh like crime drama it was it, it's almost like an anime version of the matrix but before the matrix was a thing and that's why i, I just love ghost in the shell I, and i did see the movie i didn't see it in theaters i saw it later on i saw the movie that was with scarlett johansson and i found that when i got past the whitewashing and it did whitewash i don't care what anybody says it did whitewash when i got past the whitewashing I actually liked that movie. I thought the performances were quite good. The special effects were out of control good. Out of control good. And it was fairly faithful. It was a fairly faithful adaptation. So and, and it was what it would what you think it what you think the anime would look like in real life. If those cartoon characters were done in real life, that's how that movie looked. So that was really good. Now this show 
is going to be a little different. This uh, is it's the 2045 show and the standalone complex 2045. And it focuses on the same counterterrorism team with the major and Batau. Uh, but they're going to be working in a world where I think they're called post-humans. And the world is now always at war. So basically our elites, the people that control our, our governments, have kept us in an ever war. So there's always some kind of war simmering in the background. Hmm, sounds very familiar, like it's happening right now in the world. Anyway, so that's happening, and you have private military companies and things like that. And human beings have now gotten to the point where we can interact with computers, electronics, the internet, things like that, with our brains. Um, and they have to stop a terrorist threat because that whoever that person is who's a post-human has gone to the next level and can now control the net, if you will. So this... The storyline behind it looks great. This show, if you watch the Netflix trailer, doesn't give us a lot. And it's a little jarring if you're not used to anime. It's in Japanese and it has English subtitles. So if you're not used to that, it can be a little jarring because some of the voices are high pitched and things of like that. So you got to get used to that. And they decided to go with a blending of animation and CGI. So it can be very jarring when you see that as well. However, it looks really good. The action looks very realistic. It looks like it's very faithful. It's beautiful. Um, it's a bit of a drastic change from that drawn animation that I think we, we all get very used to. Um, but for some, for people that probably had a problem with the previous Ghost in the Shell, especially the whitewashing uh, controversy and things, they'll probably like this better. I believe this comes out in April. It will come out here in the States with subtitles. I'd say give it a shot. If you like all the things I talked about, Lupe, you're a, you're a Matrix fan. Uh, Paul, you're into sci-fi. I'll find out from you in a second if you saw the original Ghost in the Shell. But especially the darker sci-fi that you're into, I think you guys are both going to like something like this. And I'm not a huge anime fan, but I think you guys are both going to like something like this. So I'll toss it to, uh, to Paul and let me know what he thinks. But I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, no, I um, – so it's right up my alley. Um, I – I wasn't um, – I hadn't watched the animated movies until um, I heard that they were making a live-action movie. Uh, I was pretty excited about the live-action movie, loved what I saw from the trailers, watched the um, the original uh, 1995 Ghost in the Shell leading up to the movie. I watched mm-hmm. – uh, there's something the, – the new movie, I guess, is the second one. I uh, watched yes. that as well. Um, I'm pretty sure I watched both of those with subtitles because I think you had the option of doing like the English audio or original audio with subtitles. I'm pretty sure I watched them with subtitles. Uh, I enjoyed them. Um, they, I thought th- there was a couple weird moments in the in the, uh, in the anime, but um, uh, but overall I thought they were really good. I I went on opening night, opening Thursday night uh, by myself to go watch Ghost in the Shell, and uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. I came yeah. I came out of that theater loving that movie, and I I didn't have as much of a problem with the. I mean, I'm, granted, I'm a white guy, but I didn't have a problem. <laughs> I didn't see the whitewashing as being a big issue there. I thought they tried to make it multicultural. They needed a big name star. I mean, we're talking about a robotic shell. This isn't. She wasn't. She wasn't playing a a white uh, character. She was playing That's a, good a robot. Um, That's a good so. Point. So she was – and now I've heard the argument, well, that's you know idealizing a, a white person by making choice yeah. of a robotic shell being white. But yeah, that's I mean that's just, that's just a road I don't want to go down. I mean they tried to make it multicultural, um, and they took a big – one of the biggest names, female stars in the world to play the part, and she looked just like the character from the movie. So I mean if people are offended by it, I, I'm not going to tell them they shouldn't be, but I personally didn't have a problem with it. I loved the movie. I thought it was very faithful to the um, – to the animated movies, and I, I I thought it was great. I bought the 3D Blu-ray. 
I've nice. watched it a couple times on home release. I, I love the movie. It's it's right up my alley. It's um, so I, I I don't understand the hate. I mean, I, I feel it got sabotaged by politics, and uh, I think the movie on its own merits is actually pretty good. And you don't see that reflected in a lot of reviews, but I I thought it was good. So, mm. um, so all that being said, um, I, I saw this. I hadn't even heard of this trailer until you brought it up today, Christian. Uh, apparently, there's been a trailer kicking around for a few months now. Yeah. Um, but this was the, I guess, the new one today, and um, it uh, it looks okay. I mean, it, the animation's weird. There are times when I think it looks really good, and other times it's when I think it looks strange. Yeah, there, there's times where I thought it looked cheap and unfinished, and other scenes where I thought it looked really good. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to get new out of this story, uh, new and different. Um, but I'll certainly give it a chance. Uh, the like you say, it takes a little, always takes a little getting used to it first when you're watching the subtitles. Um, but by the end of the trailer, you know, you're, you're kind of, you, you know, already within that minute and a half or two minutes, you're, uh, you know, you're already kind of, kind of getting used to it. So, uh, if you can tolerate the subtitles and you like the subject matter, I mean, I'll give it a chance, see how, see how long it maintains my interest and, uh, hopefully I'll like it. Lupe, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on this one or the yeah, originals? Um, so for context, I've seen the, uh, Anime, absolutely love it. Um, I, I I know the influence of uh, Blade Runner on it, and the influence mm-hmm. of Ghost and Shell back on um, Western Western culture. I love the tone of it. Um, Japanese filmmaking in general, whether it's anime or or live action, has this blend between deathly serious and quirk. Mm-hmm. It's it's very strange how they're able to balance those two things, and not in a fifty fifty split. M- more like ninety percent of it is like really serious, then ten percent of it is like quirky humor. You know, um, I, I really like as Paul said. You know, Paul and I, I'm not as extreme as Paul in terms of not liking comedy, but we're <laughs> in the same sort of ballpark in terms of. Preferring things that are that are a bit more serious. Um, I think the the film was 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 brilliantly done in everything except the whitewashing, and I just can't get past the whitewashing. It really like breaks my heart. I have no. It's like it feels the same as Ghostbusters to me in terms of I feel like they forced it. Um, obviously, there's the strong argument that Scarlett Johansson's a big you know superstar or whatever, but they could have gotten a big Chinese you know, superstar, someone who would bring box office from that part of the world. Also, Ghost, Ghost in the Shell is kind of like a big name. And at the end of the day, the movie itself didn't even make like too much money at the end of the day. It was just force. It was just, it's just like what Scarlett Johansson is. It's hubris. She feels like she can do whatever the fuck she wants. And you can't. Not just because I... Not just because I, I can't speak for everyone else, but not just because I, I feel like, you know, or you shouldn't be able to do every, everything you want, but it just didn't feel right to me. It, it felt like exploitative. It felt like us as Westerners were taking someone else's culture and exploiting it for financial gain, even though the, the creator, you know, gave his go ahead. What else is he going to do? Like, say no. He's probably a very, very nice person. I'm sure that they gave him a very nice paycheck. The publicity is going to, you know, bring more fans to his work to see the original, that kind of stuff. So even though he 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 endorsed it, that is not the final scene. The way I felt about it when I saw it is it just felt wrong to me. It felt forced and 
it felt very uh, entitled of of Scarlett Johansson and the and the filmmakers. And she backed it up with her statement, saying she she can play anything she wants, even a tree. Trees should be very offended by that. <laughs> but, <laughs> do, do you not do you not put any any credence in the idea that they tried to make all of this Newport City uh, multicultural? Well, like, I mean, well, they they they've taken a Japanese property, but they tried to make it multicultural for a world well, audience. Even even though the the anime itself is multicultural, but still, you have to remember that it's a Japanese, it's 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 Japanese in origin, and you you need to try to honor that. And especially like living in the world where we know that representation is not at the best levels that it is using something like this could have been such a good avenue to break out a new japanese star or a new you know east asian star instead you're using it to make the problem worse because what you're doing by giving a big blockbuster movie to someone like scarlett johansson you're making her even bigger and so the next film that comes out that needs a minority character, you're going to say, no, we have to give it to Scarlett Johansson because she's a big character. And so you're making the problem worse by well, giving this, this type of person. I, I, but I mean, this, this, I mean, to me, I, to the mainstream audience, I don't think Ghost in the Shell was a widely known property. Right. Yeah, like, I, I, from a marketing I, I, standpoint, yeah. I think they needed a, a big name actress to draw attention to it. I mean, well, especially when you see the struggles that sci fi has had. I mean, um, not necessarily, not not necessarily. So, I mean, there there are ways you can go around that. Hollywood breaks new stars all the time. They just they look for excuses not to do things. Hollywood breaks new stars all the time. You could reduce the budget a little bit and work within within those constraints. You could get a massive Chinese actress or Japanese actress, someone from the from from East Asia, that would help you know do that. Or you could have the supporting cast be the draws and be you know supported by uh by uh, and support the lead actress who isn't as big as the stars and give those people you know the paycheck and give them like a they're 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 if you're determined to do something you can do it but what happens in hollywood with these things is it's laziness it's laziness. It's just a crutch. That's why it's not. It's not racism. Like when people say, "Oh, it's race," it's not racism. It's systematic racism. It's in. The, it's built within the system. We have all these excuses of, "Oh, you know, you won't have a box office draw." So people just get complacent. You don't think creatively. You don't push yourself. You don't stretch yourself because of the way the system is. But if you don't, you continue to propagate the system with the way it is. You know. So yeah, I mean, everybody. That's why I- yeah, I do understand where Paul's coming from. I, I mean, I, I, but it's, I think it's a dangerous precedent to set that, you know, it's, you have a movie such as that with the subject matter that it is, and you do what, what Lupe's saying. You just complicitly say, you shrug your shoulders and go, well, I need to make some fucking money. So I'm going to put hot Scarlett Johansson in there and it's going to make some money. I, I know exactly where you're coming from, Paul. I hear you. I just think it's a dangerous well, precedent. Well, I also so think I, that, I, I also think the fact that she's playing a robotic shell is is a little I bit unique it. like she's not playing a japanese character she's playing yeah, a robotic shell so and, and the character is still the girl the girl is still a japanese girl so, with a japanese mother yeah you're not so what, you're saying, what you're telling people in the world is that if you can be anyone in the world well and this is the argument i referenced before and if right? you can yeah that's where anyone it gets dangerous. in the entire world you should be a white woman that's, that's, that's why it, it gets dangerous. Yeah, that's why it gets but, dangerous. Because but, but it right. wasn't like she that's chose this as as the oh this is the ideal body I wanted. It was assigned to her. Yeah, yeah I mean I guess there's some sensitivity right, around it, but but that people will see that your average person is not going to see that. 
they're not going to see that. They see it in the politicized view that Lupe's talking about. That's how they're going to see it. They're not going to see it as deep as you're saying because they're just not going to. You see, you guys talk about it all the time. You're, you're talking about the Snyder Cut and everything else. We're always talking about tribalism. I hear exactly where you're coming from, Paul, and I don't disagree with you. It's just I think your average person ain't going to see it that way. They're, they're going to want to see it the other way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it backfired. I mean, obviously, like when you uh, like when you saw the reviews for this one, I mean, you couldn't escape the whitewashing. When you go on Amazon to yeah. buy the Blu-ray, the, the yeah. number of zero star and one star reviews are all like not yeah. going to watch it. Whitewashing zero out of five or one out of five. Right. So yeah. it, I mean, it, it, they, they tried to bring in a big name star to sell what was probably uh, a relatively unknown sci fi property for the majority of the mainstream audience. And, uh, you know, and, and they got hit with a, a shitstorm, a negative uh Negative publicity and, and political backlash, right? I, so I, it didn't I, work. I, I understand the way you feel because, as I said, one thing about me is that I, I don't let my biases affect. That's one problem I have with critics these days. They let political biases, personal biases, tribalism affect the way they view things. The movie is really, really, really good. It's just difficult for me to get past that emotionally. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the ramifications and, and what it means, it just it rubs me the wrong way. But I, there's, if you ask ask me to rate the film, I won't be like, oh, because it's whitewashed, I give it a lower grade. No, I wouldn't. I would I'd say talk about the quality of the film, give it a grade based on that, and then you know make that as a caveat. But this is something that you know just rubbed me the wrong way or whatever. Like I do that. Like for example, the Ghostbusters film with the with the female Ghostbusters, I thought it was a decent comedy, an okay film. I just feel like they they really betrayed the property with, with what they did. I, I didn't go on YouTube disliking videos. Or <laughs> this. See, and yeah. I actually like I actually like Ghostbusters. The new yeah, one. no, it's not. It's not. I, I went with my wife opening weekend. And we both thought it was great. I mean, not great, but I mean, good for what it was, right? Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that was that was a deep conversation. I really love. <laughs> I, I, that's why I love talking movies with you guys. You guys are really. You're really good at bringing up all these nuances to to these sort of topics, and we come at it from different angles, and we're able to learn new things and appreciate each other. Um, that was a really like that was a really dope conversation. So let's move on to Guns Akimbo. Wow, what a name! That's a really striking name. That's first, and stars Daniel Radcliffe, and is batshit crazy. <laughs> really that should be the subtitle to it guns of kimbo batshit crazy um what did you guys think of this trailer uh let's start with paul and paul you you made an illusion when we had a discussion to having a feeling of it being akin to a video game could you expand on that and tell us what you think yeah so so first of all i'm gonna finish up on a positive note here um hey, i i I love this. This looks great to me. I, I had no idea what this was. I, I don't know if this is based on anything. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's by the guy that did Deathgasm, which I've not seen. Um, it looks slightly lower budget, but it does have some CGI, but it just looks bonkers. It looks like um, it, it reminded me of uh, a free guy, like a like a psycho yeah. free guy, right? And um, but apparently this is not a video game world. This is a guy um, who is a video game developer and was watching uh, like a real-life um, illegal deathmatch fight club that streamed live to the public. And I guess he gets himself in some hot water for some drunken uh, online comments he makes. And uh, basically they come to his door 
uh, beat him down and bolt guns to his hands. And he's stuck the entire movie. <laughs> he wakes up with his pants around his ankles and guns bolted through his hands. And, uh, and he's fumbling around trying to survive. And I guess he's in one of these schism matches, uh, these death matches against another, uh, another character. And it, uh, it just looks nuts. It looks great. I, uh, it looks different. Uh, it looks ultra violent, but still funny. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not totally without a sense of humor. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to go support this. If this comes to my, and I don't even know when, when or where this is getting released. Like I, I don't, I assume this is going to be very limited release, but uh, if this, um, if this comes to my local theater, I'm going to go watch this. If I can get there on opening night, I'll go on opening night and uh, I'll almost certainly be watching it alone, but uh, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go and support it. This, this looks good to me. Wow. Okay. Um, after that ringing endorsements, uh, Christian, Listen, what do you think about Guns Akimbo? I, I don't think I'm as positive <laughs> as Paul uh, about this one. I I don't know what the hell I watched. I had to watch it a second time because I was just I, I, I kind of stopped and stared at my phone the first time when I was finished and just looked up and said, "What the hell was that?" And then I had to go back and watch it again and then looked up for my phone and said, "All right, I, I don't even think I want to watch it again." I, it it didn't completely turn me off, and I love Daniel Radcliffe. I freaking love this guy. I. I Huge Harry Potter fan, and I, you know, Woman in Black, and I, I, mean, I just, I really like Daniel Radcliffe. So I, I'm going to give him a lot of credit, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt immediately. And it looks very genre bending, action comedy. Uh, I think it's very self aware. Kind of reminds you a little mm-hmm. bit of Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of reminds you a little bit of that. Uh, also, I, I go also, ahead. A, a, also a bit like Sucker Punch. Just yes, yeah, and. It. I was not – I know you guys are going to hate me for saying it. I'm not a huge Sucker Punch fan. I've tried a couple times, and people have been like, you got to watch it. It's so good. I, sorry. I've tried multiple times, and I, I just – it looks good, but I can't get into it. It's just not my kind of movie. So maybe this is kind of crazy action. I'm sure we're going to see something else. I believe it comes to U.S. theaters February 28th. So I'm interested in seeing a little bit more about it. Not not sure I'm sold on this one, guys. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not <laughs> – I think it might be March fifth, uh, Christian. I, I, that's what I, mean. I can't okay. tell though. Like it's it's so, uh, you know. The, I see something about it being in Russia on February twenty eighth. I think, and then I see down at the bottom in cinemas March fifth. So it's kind of all over the place. But uh, who knows? Hopefully, it gets a wide release. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not like I didn't smile when I was watching <laughs> the trailer. I, I laughed. I was like, eh, you know, it made me laugh. But I, I just kind of was like, I really don't know what I just watched, and I, I'm so lost with it that I think. Because I don't know what it's trying to be. I think that's why I'm very confused as to whether I want to see this. Well, and and I will say that I think the casting of Daniel Radcliffe helps sell me on this because he's such an odd, yeah. perfect choice for this. Like if it was just some, <laughs> really you, know, it. you know, it's just the look, <laughs> the look on his face. It's just, uh, I, it's priceless for me. I don't know why it just works for me. But uh, but if it was an, if it was some other actor in this role, I don't know if I'd feel the same way. But but it's something about this just works for me. Mm. Right. Lupe, what do what do you think? Have you seen this? Did you watch this one? Um, yeah, yes, yes. So the the trailer to it, it it as I said, it reminds me of as you said, Free Guy. Although that hasn't come out, does remind you of the trailer. Reminds me of like Sucker Punch. Reminds me of um. Can you guys remember Hardcore Henry? Yes, yes. yes it reminds remember. me of Hardcore Henry as well. <laughs> just no, I like, never saw that. It looks like this. that was a first person one, wasn't it? Hardcore Henry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it it looks you know crazy, auteur, just bonkers, 
definitely looks like this is the product of a soul director. Like this is someone's crazy, frenetic vision. And and I love that. Now, it doesn't really appeal to me. I don't know whether I'll see. It depends on, you know, I, I guess I'm going to wait for word of mouth. Um, and it's interesting. Daniel Radcliffe is taking all these crazy roles. He's doing sort of like, sort of. The same thing that Robert Pattinson did, but he's doing it in a different way, taking all these quirky, strange movies to break away from the iconic um, child-ish actor role that he played. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe, I mean, uh, Robert Pattinson went prestige. Daniel Radcliffe, although he's he's gone indie and gone very quirky and it's her he hasn't gone as prestigious as Robert Pattinson did but um he's he makes such interesting choices such interesting choices on um on movies and uh yeah I, it, it was it was <laughs> it was a trilogy that it, it certainly blew my mind I can tell you that for sure but um I might be admiring this one from afar but I definitely do admire it so that's a I have enough positivity for all three of us. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So uh, let's go on to our coming to theaters section. And the film of notes that's coming to theaters this weekend is the rhythm section. And this is on my uh, top 10 most anticipated movies of 2020. Um, January seems to be a, quite a decent, decent um month although this is coming out actually beginning of february but still counted as january um yeah if you guys haven't seen our top 10 most anticipated films of 2020 uh, podcast episode it's uh on our podcast channel uh on um what's that on again um paul yeah, the uh, the podcast is on uh, our our home base is Anchor, um, but it's uh, it's also on uh, Apple Podcasts, it's on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and uh, and a handful of others. All right, so we have that on there. We also have it on our YouTube channel as well. If you would please, it's a really fun episode. I was on there with uh, Chris, that's Ronaldo, not Christian here, and also with Adrian and. We talked a bunch of movies coming out this year. And we made a master list of the film Exiles uh, top 10 uh, most anticipated films of 2020. And so this is one of them. So safe to say, at least I am excited about it. I'm not sure about the both of you. And we'll get into that. It stars Blake Lively. It's a spy movie. Um, she becomes a spy. It's like an origin story of a spy. It's directed by Reed Morano. And Reed Morano, she was a... DOP, a cinematographer, and she did a bunch of uh, dope movies like the way the way beyond the pines. I think it's called. She did a bunch of TV stuff. She also did actually was the director for episodes of The Handmaid's Tale, and The Handmaid's mm -hmm. Tale is one of the landmark peak TV uh, productions. One of those productions that that ushered in this wave where we saw that. TV series we're looking as good as prestige films so she's one of the pioneers of that also if you've ever seen any clips or seen Beyonce's Lemonade TV special <laughs> yeah 
super <laughs> iconic with like colors and great cinematography and iconic shots. Uh, she was the one that directed it. So she's a special, she has a special eye, a special command of the lens. And she is the director of this movie. Uh, if you've seen the trailers, we talked about the trailers on here. The cinematography looks really, really, really good. Um, and so it's opening this weekend. And uh, I'd like to hear from you guys what your thoughts are. Let's start with Paul. All right. I, again, more positivity. I uh, I saw this. I didn't I didn't know this was coming. I, I think I was surprised by this trailer. I believe it might have even been before Rise of Skywalker or something mm -hmm. back just before Christmas. Yeah, we talked about it on on Common Sense. Yeah, yeah. Or did did we? Because I, I know we were yeah. going to put it on one of the episodes, and I wasn't sure whether we ever got to it. But yeah, I um I I love the look of this one. I um. Uh, I, I want to see it for sure. And, you know, schedule is not going to work out this weekend. Uh, so I'm not going to be able to get out to see it this weekend, but I'm hoping to catch it while still in theaters. Uh, it's something that I think I can probably take my wife to see and hopefully she'll enjoy it as well. But, um, uh, I think it looks great now. I'm, I'm actually just, um, you know, while you were talking there, Lupe, I was actually just checking to see, uh, where it's playing because, uh, your movie listings just came out, I guess, last night. And it's not actually at my local, uh, the closest theater that I typically go to. And some of the bigger ones that are nearby, uh, have very limited showings of this one. So I'm not seeing a hugely wide release for this one, but, uh, hopefully it'll be out long enough that, uh, that I can catch it. And I, th I, I think it looks, it looks great to me. Okay. Um, Christian, what do you think? Like Paul, I don't know if scheduling will allow me to see the movie this weekend, but if I don't get a chance to see it, it's not because my wife and I don't want to. I actually, I think we said in a previous pod, I was pleasantly surprised by this before I saw the wonderful Ford versus Ferrari, uh, that the, the trailer was playing with that movie. And we kind of looked at one another and we're like, whoa, okay, that's different. And I know... We hear it all the time. Everybody's always waiting for an actress to show us her different side, if you will. Um, and she's Gossip Girl, Blake Lively, right? And and we saw her in the town. And she's been a, in a couple of, of very good films. And she's given us some good roles. But this seems like a different turn for her. And I think that's what turned both of us on immediately. We're like, whoa, this is not what we expected. And I know people are pushing for this female James Bond. Why? Why do we have... How come we, why don't we just have a cool character that's not James Bond? How about that? Um, a cool female character who's not James Bond. And I think this could be, you know, revenge stories don't ever really seem to go out of style. And this seems like it's going to be a cool revenge story. And uh, the way she gets her training, uh, for, I think it's from an exiled MI6 agent living in Scotland. Uh, and then she changes the way she looks. She's a blonde one moment. She's dressing up as a, with somebody with a German accent the next this looks very good. So I this went from something that was not even close to being on my radar to something that I hope I can see opening weekend. So yes, I have become I've been sold on this movie. And now the word of mouth I'm hearing from the you know, from the people that we tend to trust more, uh, they're saying they liked it. So yeah. Let, let, let's I, I I'm absolutely saying that this is a movie that I want to see. Yeah. Well, um so far in twenty twenty uh Movies on my most anticipated list that have come out, The Gentleman, which I am proud to say blew me away. If you haven't yet <laughs> watched my review on it, you have to. And everybody has corroborated my story. I had one of the first reviews out on it, actually. Um, just I can't see 
the end of the year coming around and the gentleman not being in my top five. If it isn't, then we've had probably the best year in movies ever, period. It's that good. And I, I, I'm fully confident that this, this film, which is also in my top 10, is not going to disappoint. Um, and I've heard just a little bit, uh, and people have been happy with what they've seen so far. But ultimately, it's going to depend on what I feel about it. I'm going to take a different turn in talking about this, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant. And this, this movie costs $50 million to make, and opening week projections are $6 million. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's not good. Mm. If it costs $50 million, moderately, we'll say for it to turn a profit, it needs to make in theaters about... 80 million, 90, somewhere around 80 million. That's even if we're trying to stretch the numbers, but oh, ideally it should be making 100 million. It should just break 100 million international. 6 million, that's what its projections are. And that's very disappointing. That's very disappointing because people are always clamoring for, oh, oh, we need to have a female James Bond. No, as a matter of fact, I'm going to do every single thing in my power to campaign against the female James Bond from here on out. Because the same social media feminists and social media bandwagoners and group thinkers who are always yelling this vapid stuff never ever put actions behind their words. They let atomic bomb, uh, atomic blonde bomb, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, they, they they are not supporting this. It's directed by a woman. It's starring a woman. It's produced by the producer of James Bond. I bet you guys didn't know that. It's no, I didn't. Like the the like people talk about, you know, they're making a female James Bond, and the producer of James Bond actually put her money where her mouth is and actually took the effort to make a, a spy movie starring a woman and people have been clamoring and so basically what social media feminists want is the whole ghostbusters thing all over again instead of new stories and 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 adding you know female voices to to the to the space to the collage of of stories that were being told they want to take over what it's already sort of like a male property and that there is something insidious about that also there's something just lazy about it um and it doesn't sit right with me it's it's like it's really 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 weird i'm a guy i'm not even like a woman of course everyone should be a feminist but this should hit women hard the most and i'm over here championing things like atomic blonde like one of my things i said in my atomic blonde (laughs) review is that i will never forgive you people if you let this movie bomb (laughs) and and the movie bombed we're not going to get a sequel to it because it didn't do explosively well financially so i'm very very upset my words are very very harsh and i think deservedly so um and i'm i'm just i'm i'm completely completely um saddened by by 
by the state of things. And as I said, I, I'm making a promise. I will actively campaign against the female James Bond for the rest of my life. I used to be open to the idea, like, eh, it's okay, they could do it. But now I'm going to actively campaign against it. Because if you will not support female spy movies, female action movies, then you do not deserve to taint the name of James Bond and already established male franchises because there's no sincerity in what you're asking for. Well, you bring up a good point, Lupe, in that uh, you don't see this movie being pushed as a feminist film at all, like by all the typical um, social media voices. I've not heard mention of this film, um, whereas Birds of Prey, which hit, hits you over the head with uh, We Don't Need Men, Emancipation of Harley Quinn, et cetera, et cetera, that obviously is getting pushed hard as a feminist film. This one is is rightfully just as feminist, I guess you could, you could probably argue, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe more genuinely so, mm -hmm. but you don't hear a, you don't hear a word about it, and and like I was saying, I can't even go to my regular theater to watch this. I be have to go out of my way to see this. It's not even on opening weekend going to be in my theater. Because and 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 I alluded to it, and I'll state it more clearly. It's something that I'm noticing is that these feminists. It's not about inclusion. It's about taking over. And one thing that the Birds of Prey movie is doing, if you look at it as constructed, the way it depicts characters is that it's taking over male spaces. It's not about inclusion. The Joker is not in this movie. Black Mask is in this movie. And there is a, a gay uh, storyline or undertone to, to his character. Because it's not about inclusion. It's about taking over. And as I said, that's insidious, it's heinous, it's insincere. And you see it reflected in the fact that when a genuine female uh, action spy movie comes on its own, it's not taking over anything. It's new, it's innovative, it's adding to the conversation. It's completely ignored. If it was taking over a male space and wiping away the legacy or pushing aside or crushing the legacy of a male space, it will be championed. And that's, as I said, that's heinous and insidious and lazy. And my words are very harsh and I do not like speaking like this. And I am a feminist. I'm a person who like supports feminism, but not, I do not, ex I do not support excluding anyone. That's not something that I will ever, ever support. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm really upset. As I said, this movie is in, it's in my top 10 most anticipated movies of the year. Yeah, I, I've got this one. I think I, it might, I think I had this one at number 16, but uh, that's only because uh, half my top 10 is filled with, you know, kids' movies that, uh, <laughs> that I'm excited about seeing with my daughter, right? So uh, otherwise, this one probably would, would have been in my top 10. You know, if, it just, if I was just looking at personally, what would I go watch by myself? Yeah, this one mm -hmm. probably it would have been right around my top 10. There it is, our episode for today. It was jam-packed, as we said. It was a double-decker of content. Uh, we went, wow, this is the longest episode we've ever had. Uh, <laughs> if you're able to listen to this in one sitting, we salute you. God bless you. <laughs> and um, if you listen to this in multiple sittings, we thank you very much. 
Uh, and on our way out, uh, let's uh, let the people know where they can find us to continue conversations about film on social media. Paul, where can people find you? Yeah, uh, best place to find me is uh, on Twitter uh, at uh, underscore Paul underscore P. Um, also, you can always leave us a comment uh, once we post this on YouTube. Usually hits the audio channels first. Um, you can always leave us a comment, you know, either on our personal Twitters or on the Film Exiles Twitter. Um, or, as I say, once we uh, get it up on YouTube, usually within a day or two of the audio channels, feel free to leave a comment and we can uh, continue the discussion on YouTube as well. Nice. And Christian? Same. Twitter's the best place to get me at uh, at chart6363. Cool. And I have been yours truly. Lupe, you can find me on Twitter and on Vero at live love Lupe. And until next time, stay exiled.